everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. To try and summarize this episode would be pretty difficult. We thought that Mike Matthews was going to come onto the show to discuss his company, Legion Athletics, but the conversation that ensued was like a complex Rubik's Cube of training, history, politics, supplements, and the conspiracy theory about the term conspiracy theories. Does your brain hurt yet? Perhaps a concise little three-hour podcast will help clear up some of the confusion. If you had any questions about the business side of the health and fitness hustle, this episode is for you. If you want to know whether or not our country is headed for a certain dystopia, this episode is also for you. We've got something for everyone. Here it is, episode 401. I'm just beginning to peak, John. <laughs> Was this high school? Power you know Athlete Nation, we're taking Luke back to high school. That's when he right. Peaked. Guys, do you, today is October 9th. You know, it is October 9th, and we have a three-hour podcast ahead of you. You know what tomorrow is? Three tomorrow is my hours. birthday. What would you guys get me for my birthday? Uh, nice filet of penis. Mm. Nice and lean. It's Texas choice. Pre-cooked or smoked or no, what? No, it's smoked. <laughs> Pre-smoked? <laughs> Uncut. We'd like to surprise you. Ah. So you'll see tomorrow. Wink. Yeah, wink, because it's definitely October 9th today, <laughs> not August. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Strap yourselves in for a wild, wild ride today. Uh, we got a lot more than we bargained for today. We're talking with Michael or Mike, Mike Matthews, uh-huh. um, who's a fellow fitness podcaster on iTunes. What, look, what he does know is we're after him. We're coming after him. We're knocking him down the charts, and he just contributed to his own demise. Yeah. Uh, but we can say that in jest because I like this. I, I'll tell I had you, a like, fantastic time. Uh, he went round for round today, dude. Uh, kindred spirit, like I'm. I'll tell you this. I'm okay with him being slightly ahead of us in the podcast <laughs> after meeting him. Some of those other dick bags, I'm not okay with. Right. But I'll tell you, this guy, I was like, I, I dude, I feel like uh, I should text him my number and be like, hit me up if you if you learned anything. Yeah. So my, Mike is in. Well, got into the scene with um, writing a fit, fitness book, muscle. Uh, his podcast is Muscle for Life. And then his fitness book was Bigger, Leaner, Stronger. And that was back a, a while back. And then now he's, he's also spun this into supplements. It's a pretty funny story how that all spun out. But he's almost like in every space that you'd want to be in for somebody who's trying to just yeah. like get started, get their shit squared away. Um, and they just want to learn how to get fit. And, yeah. uh, it's and get lean and, yeah. and, and get strong. And, yeah. and it seems like a very and systematic approach. A, th- a thanks to one of our former yeah. podcast guests, Nier Al. Who's a pretty legit human being, too. Oh, I yeah. Mean, dude, great, su- great author. That was on. Power Athlete Radio, episode 330. Mm-hmm. And we just crossed you know the 400 to, mark. Do you know where he went to college? Near? Yeah. No, I don't. He went to Emory, same as uh, Kate, because when I mentioned that we had him on the podcast, my wife, she's like, oh, he went to Emory. I remember seeing his name uh, in relation to something. And I was like, oh, oh. how about that? Yeah. Small but we, that was 70 episodes ago. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. Which, which in ride. podcast world, I mean, might as well just be 100 years ago. Yeah. Things have changed. Including the length of the episodes. <laughs> no, we used to do long ones before. Oh, well, we just beat out Woodski for... Mm-hmm. The time today. Wow. Whiskey is going to be pissed. I'm going to call He's up Whiskey. I'm going to invite him yeah. back on the show. Like we're going four hours. We're going four hours, people. Ladies and gentlemen, strap yourselves in. It's a wild ride. Um, and thank you for listening and thank you for being a listener. And if, um, if you are a loyal listener of the podcast and you haven't reviewed us yet on iTunes, make it happen. If you haven't recommended the show to a friend, a family member, a colleague, make it happen. 
What else do you want, we want them to do? If you're a first-time listener to the show, welcome. Mm-hmm. Check out the reviews yeah. because they're hilarious. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so this episode is brought to you by Power Athlete Radio, the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing. Ing. I-N-G. I-N-G. We'll take it. Uh, let's get into it. All right. Ready, ready. Let's and go. Mike, thanks for hopping on the podcast with us to chat some fitness, some strength and conditioning. Who knows where this is going to go? Um, who did we just recently have on that we didn't talk? Oh, uh, Justin Cavanaugh. Justin Cavanaugh. We were supposed to talk sprinting and talk zero sprinting. So, like, we're, that's the type of show we run. <laughs> Sometimes those make for uh, the more interesting episodes, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I guess for anyone who may, who's listening to our podcast who might not know you and, and uh, your background and what, you know, how you get your hands dirty throughout the week, why don't you give a little intro? So our listeners Where the bodies are buried. Yeah, yeah, baby. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, the long story short is, uh, I guess I'm, it's like funny when people ask me, oh, what do you do? I'm like, eh, health and fitness things. Uh, so I have... Uh, books that are popular. I've sold a lot of books over the years. Um, so I still spend a lot of time. Um, I'm always working on the next book and I spend a lot of time creating content in general. So I have a podcast and over a thousand articles over at legionathletics.com. And um, I've done some stuff on YouTube, not too much. Uh, maybe I will get more into that next year. We'll see. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, I, I create a lot of educational stuff and then I also have a, uh, sports supplement company Legion and that, let's see, I started that 2014 and I have a workout app that I made for fun, kind of, even though it was not fun and it cost way too much money. Uh, and, and, and I just made it free. It's kind of a top of funnel, um, thing. So I have an app and, you know, health and fitness things. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I said. And then, so take us back even a little further. How, like, at what point did you decide to go all in on the health and fitness space? Is this something that you've always been doing? Um, no. So when I was a teenager, I was into sports, right? I played a lot of hockey. And then when that came to an end, I wanted to continue doing something with my body. And so I was like, yeah, I was 17, 18. I like girls, girls like muscles. I'll just do that. And uh, got some bodybuilding magazines, recruited a couple friends, and just started going at it. Right, um, I didn't. I didn't make an effort to really educate myself for the first six or seven years. I was aware of that, so uh, at least I had that. Right, I knew I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was fun. And because you know, the first year or so, because of newbie gains, if you do it even, you don't even have to do it halfway correctly. If you do it like. 25% correctly, you're going to, you're going to see progress and that's, and that's fun. Um, but I'd say by, by year three, nothing was changing much anymore. Like I wasn't gaining much muscle and strength to speak of for probably from year three to year seven. Um, and at that point I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I might as well apply myself a little bit. I might as well throw the magazines away and go learn, how dieting actually works, like learn first principles, right? As opposed to just taking people's prescriptive workout routines or just general fad diet advice. Um, at that time, oh, I don't remember what low carb was becoming a thing, but it wasn't nearly as popular as it is now. But regardless, I don't even remember what the like, oh, if you want to get leaner here are some random tips. We're not going to talk about energy balance or macronutrient balance, but here are some random things, right? Um, and so, so at that point I was like, all right, I, uh, let's, let's see what I can actually do if I'm going to put in the time. 
And so I started to educate myself um, on the training side of things. I quickly found my way to starting strength. That was the first book that I found that made sense to me in terms of like the fundamentals of strength training and why uh, if you want to get, if you want to get big, you got to get strong. And so the foundation of your training really should be strength training. And you can add bodybuilding work on top of it. Um, and then, and on the dietary side of things, fortunately it was pretty easy just to go to the scientific literature. That's even easier now because of, I mean, there are some really good uh, research reviews out there. A couple of them written by Eric Helms uh, and a few others, for example, where that's all you really need to know about nutrition. Actually, like if we're just, if we're talking about, it really just gives you the, here's, here's, here's the 20% that gives you the 80%. Now on the training side of things, and that's still the case now, although the, the literature has definitely progressed back at that point, it, there was still, a, there were a lot more questions than answers. Like we knew that progressive overload was the key. Yes. But how do you best achieve that? Um, and there wasn't, we hadn't even gotten to the point of, uh, that, of, of looking at frequency and how does that play into the, the, the picture. And then beyond moving beyond that learning that eh, volume is more important than frequency. Frequency is just a tool to achieve volume, blah, blah, blah. And so, um, it was, I was like, okay, if I'm looking into the scientific literature, it's very clear what I need to do with my diet. That's pretty simple. Energy in, energy out, eat a lot of protein, do whatever you want with your carbs and fat and don't eat like an asshole. Okay. That's pretty simple. Do that. And, uh, and, uh, got, got pretty lean for the first time on the training side of things. Again, it wasn't as clear. Um, so I went with what I could, what I could find in Ripito's work. And then early on, let's see, I found Martin Burkan's work. I found Lyle McDonald's work. Um, Alan Aragon's work, and so gravitated toward the, the evidence-based space and picked out the things that made sense to me. And again, I was looking for first principles. I really wanted to understand the mechanisms, like how does this stuff work? I didn't just want to be told to go do deadlifts and go do sets of five. Like I wanted to understand it for myself. And so I started to change my training and my dieting um, accordingly. And I had gotten this is now fast forward a couple months and I had gotten pretty lean for the first time. Um, you know, abs and maybe the way that most guys would want to look right. Kind of athletic. And I had gained a bit of muscle and strength, which was cool because up until that point, again, I was stuck for years. And so I was like, okay, this is, this is working and I'm not entirely surprised, but this is working. And, um, a friend of mine at that time who was working out with me, he was like, you should just take your shirt off and go on YouTube and sell shit. And I was like, eh, no, nah, it's not, it's just not for me. I, I have, I have a little bit of dignity. And, uh, and so at around that time, Amazon's self-publishing platform, it's called KDP was getting a lot of publicity because there was a guy named, uh, name, I think what's his name, John Locke, probably a pen name, but, um, he was the first self-published author to sell a million books on their platform. And he had kind of a cool story because he, if I remember correctly, he had built up an insurance business and then sold it. And then he did it again and sold it. And at that point, he didn't have to work for money anymore. And what he had really wanted to do for some time was write novels. And so he started doing that. And I haven't read any of them, but I know they're primarily for women and they're fun, sex, violence, um, adventure, whatever. And, and he priced them at 99 cents because he didn't care about the money. He just wanted to see if anybody would buy his books and read them and give a shit. 
And um, he quickly found an audience and his sales grew exponentially. And he became the, the first guy to sell a million books, uh, first self-published author to sell a million books on their platform. And so Amazon used that as a publicity caper and um, a lot of news outlets and whatever journalists, they picked up on it because it was kind of a cool story. And then I heard, so that's how I heard about it. And that interested me because in my previous life, uh, I had, I guess you could say it was like a, almost like a specialized, a niche publishing company. So I was creating employee training materials for different companies in different industries. Toward the end, it was mostly healthcare. Um, so I had some experience writing how-to stuff and breaking things down into simple terms and, and making them uh, understandable and, and practical. And so I got the idea, well, why don't I just do what I'm doing in my work, uh, in, in health and fitness, and just give, put the book out there that I wish somebody would have just given me back when I was 17 or 18. And just, just, just teach the fundamentals of the stuff I've just discussed and make it real simple mostly steak, very little sizzle, um, because it doesn't require that much of a leap of faith, right? It's just do this stuff. And within a month, you'll see it works. Like it's that simple or, or, or don't do it, I guess, but like not asking for much here. And so I published the book that's bigger, leaner, stronger. That's in 2012. And I didn't go for uh, a book. I didn't try to get an agent or, or contact publishers because I was just some dude who wrote a book. Uh, and that's, uh, it just, it wouldn't have been worth trying to convince anybody else that the market needed this book and that, are we okay? Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I didn't, I, oh, cool. No, 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 I said no, it's, it, you know. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I knew that it, it was just going to be, a waste of time trying to convince agents or publishers that, yeah, I have no following. I have no connections. I have no clout in this industry, but this is good information. And uh, the, the marketplace need, this will fill a gap in the marketplace. And this book, I do think it will do well or has the potential of doing well. Right. And so I just, I just published it myself and I didn't, I thought it was a coin flip that I would sell like in the beginning first month, 50, 50, maybe zero copies and not zero copies. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what it's going to do, but it's a bold bet. yeah, who gives a shit though? Right. Whatever. It was like a nights and weekends thing and it was a minimum viable product and it was maybe, I don't know, 50, 60,000 words. I didn't, uh, I didn't bleed over the manuscript. I just kind of put everything down and did a quick editorial pass or two and said, let's get it out there and see if anybody cares. And um, so it sold like 20 copies the first month. And I was excited. I was like, shit, somebody bought my book. That's cool. And I had, I had put an email address in there to tell people to, hey, if you have any questions or suggestions, email me. And um, so within a couple of months, I started the sales were growing and I started hearing from people liking the book, may, asking questions, making suggestions. And then uh, fast forward to the end of 2012, and it was selling several thousand copies a month. And uh, I also in the beginning, I published it at 99 cents as well. Cause I was like, who cares? Like it is, I, I want to make it, it's probably better to have them pay at least something and not just make it outright free, but I don't care. Like I want the, I want the barrier to entry to be so low that 
no one's going to think twice about the price, right? And so by the end of the year, I don't remember what the price was. Maybe it was $4.99 at this point or something like that. And it was selling several thousand copies a month. And, and I saw that there was an opportunity to go a lot further. And along the way, I probably, I think uh, I'd have to like actually look at the timeline, but I think I published one or two other shorter kind of just trial balloon books along the way. And um, so, so yeah, so then at that point is when I saw, okay, there's an opportunity. Now I, I originally, at that time, I actually didn't really want to get into the fitness industry as an expert or guru or author or anything else, because while I, I really liked and, and still, I still feel this way to some degree, but I've kind of done it my own way. Um, at the time, I, of course, I liked fitness. I liked working out. I liked teaching people things and educating people. And I liked what fitness can do for other people. But there's a lot in the fitness industry, the space itself that just doesn't resonate with me as a person. I mean, just start with the obsession over how you look. So Mike, I want to jump in real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you, so you're hitting this on nights and weekends and stuff, and you're obviously in the gym, banging weights, getting your pump on, doing your, like doing the work in the gym. And then, so your day job here is still like, are you still in that space of writing technical manuals mm -hmm. for, for small businesses? And then is like, are you, was that like an entrepreneurial endeavor or are you, mm -hmm. were you part of a shop or, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I fell into it kind of randomly actually, because it started with, uh, with my dad's company. So he has a company that sells energy, mostly uh, B2B, natural gas, electricity, and his, his business needed, they didn't really have any codified training, uh, system or, or, or curriculum. It was, it was a lot of on the job and it wasn't well organized. And so it started there. I had done it in his company and it went really well. And, um, and from there I, I started doing it for business people he knew who, who also had businesses and, and it just, it was just a, then kind of a word of mouth thing and okay, who else do you know that could use this type of service? And uh, again, in the end, it, it became I, I, most of the work was uh, for like dentists, PTs, doctors, and creating materials that were there. There were like template materials. So take a dentist's office, and they hire a receptionist, and they have to train the receptionist how to be a good receptionist. Um, the the they could use the manual I had put together essentially, which was really just based on best practices. I mean, it wasn't just me sitting down thinking about it. It was me just interviewing a lot of people who were good at their good at that job and, and then putting, picking out, okay, what are the best uh, practices here? And then how do we explain them? What do you need to know to be able to do those things well? And repeating that process for a lot of the uh, office positions, right? Because like in the case of dentists, they come out of dental school knowing dentistry, but they don't know anything about building a business usually or hiring people, training people. Um, so, so there were, there were like just basic manuals that, that um, the dentists and, and these other practitioners could buy. And then also the, in some cases there was like customized work where they may want one of those manuals customized for their office because the circumstances are different or um, they just like to do things differently or, or whatever. But, yeah. Right. Right. And I guess it kind of what, what I'm leaning into here is like, here's a dude, full-time job rolling on his own, writing a bunch of stuff for people who need support, but you're still finding time to get into the gym, hit it right, hit it hard and side hustle, spin up the content and piece together all of this, um, 
all these books that, or at least your first book and then let the supporting books around there. And, you know, I just maybe lean into a little bit like, I, you know, the common thing we get from folks and mm. maybe we can get into maybe the nuts and bolts of this too is like, man, I just don't have time. You know, I don't have, to, I don't have time to put an hour and I don't have time to put 70, 90 minutes in. So how, how did you organize your life to, to make time to not only hit legitimate training, but also prepare the right foods and cook, you know, all the things that you know are these friction points and barriers to entry to training, whether it's fitness or performance. Yeah. I mean, you said it right. It's, it's making time. It's a matter of priorities. It's very, very rare. I have come across people where I I do understand when they really break down, I'm like, break down every day of every week. Do me a favor, grab a, a notebook and, and record what you do and when you do it every day, everything you do, or do it on your phone and, and show me. And most of the time, it's a matter of priorities. It's not a matter of not having the time. Sometimes I actually do understand. Sometimes there are people um, who are, I mean, take, take between work and family obligations and social obligations that are not just frivolous. Like I understand there is very little free time. Um, however, even in those cases and what I've, what I've told people is, okay, I, I get it that you're not most people, you're not like most people. Most people is, yeah. How much time do you spend watching TV and frittering time away on social media and, uh, even just hanging out with friends, like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with hanging out with friends, but how much fucking hanging out with friends do you really need? Like if we're talking about flourishing as a person, uh, you don't need as much hanging out as many people think, uh, or, or, uh, as they do, right. It's just, it becomes something that is enjoyable, but if you were to cut it in half or even, if you were if you were to cut it down to one third and fill that time with let's say we're talking about it could be productive activities and work or in the gym or whatever, it might take a little bit of adjustment initially, but you're not going to like develop a mental illness or something. Like you're going to be fine. You're actually going to be doing better. Um, and so, uh, even though in the case of people where they are let's say they're watching no TV and they're not just hanging out and they their time is uh, very uh, short and, and understandably. So what I asked them is I was like, what I, what, what I asked them is I say, okay, well, what if, what if you developed some weird symptom of something, you go to a doctor and they say that you have a, a very serious disease and the only way that you're going to make it is if you exercise three hours a week, that's the only way you can either die or you can exercise three hours a week. What are you going to do? Are you going to die? No, you're not. No. You're going to figure it out. You're going to figure it out. You're going to figure out how you can exercise three hours a week. And if we're talking about um, preserving health and longevity, three hours a week is a good start. Yeah, you could do more, but you're going to get a lot out of that. Like that's 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 a big difference uh, when you compare to zero hours a week, right? 
And especially if you know what you're doing and you make those three hours productive. So if we're talking about three one hour workouts a week, and let's say we're just going to focus on strength training because that's all they have the time for. And that's what I'd recommend. And you know, that's easy programming. You could do three full body workouts a week, for example, or you could do uh, push pull legs or maybe upper lower, um, depending on which you want, you know, you can go upper, lower, upper, if you want to emphasize upper or, or the other way around, if you want to emphasize lower. And, um, so inevitably, of course, they have to agree that, okay, if it really came down to it, they, they would, they would make it happen. And so then it's just getting them to understand the connection between training regularly and exercising and, uh, not developing, let's say diseases that are going to kill you. That's on the, on the negative side. And on the positive side, there are all the benefits that, that they're missing out on, um, that result from regular training, right? There's obviously the, the, the vanity stuff and that matters. It does at least half of the reason why we do what we do is because we want to look a certain way. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, and there there's then the, the physical and the, and the mental health benefits and performance benefits. And I mean, anybody who's been doing this kind of stuff for a while knows, for example, that, when you are, when your body is doing better and your mind is working better, you can get more work done per unit of time, for instance. So maybe taking a little bit of time away from work will uh, actually allow you to get more productivity out of the time that you have, even with the exercise taken out. Um, and so that's, that's usually the, the approach that I take. And just, again, I'm just trying to get people to just give this a try for a month. And if at the end of a month, if, if it's not working, then just go back to what you're doing. What have you lost? You really, I mean, again, if we're just talking about taking a few hours out of your normal routine for a month, you're not that's, that's a, that's an insignificant deficit in terms of wherever we're pulling that time from. So if it doesn't work and you don't like it and it doesn't seem worth it to you, then just go back to what you're doing. But of course, I don't know if that's, I don't know if I, I don't know if that's ever happened in my interactions with people. They always, it's just a matter of getting them going. Come on, let's just get going and then let's get you some results. Uh, let's, let's, let's get you some results on the scale or in the mirror in the gym and in, in other areas of your life. And that, that is the most motivating that that's way more motivating than words and ideas, right? It's just experiencing it. And, mm -hmm. in we know the book came out in 2012 on Amazon. When did you launch the Muscle for Life podcast? Is that a, as a, a reaction to all the questions you were getting from the book? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, you know, I honestly don't remember exactly when I launched the podcast because when I did, it was so low rent. It was actually a joke. Uh, I, would, I would just turn on we my webcam. With that one. Yeah, dude, I would turn on. I had a, a webcam like this and I would just ramble. Uh, I wouldn't even outline. We would barely even edit it. I wouldn't even try to, I, I would, I, I would apply like maybe 50% of my, uh, my, my maybe articulation. I would just, just kind of ramble about things. Right. And, um, and because it was early on, maybe it was 2014 ish, something like that. And so that's early on and the general quality of fitness podcasts at that time is not, uh, it, it was not what it is now. And so it, it gained some popularity 
right away. Cause at that point I already had a following. I had a website called muscle for life, which was really just a glorified blog. I would post several articles a week, um, you know, long, long form. And I would reference studies and I would link them and I would do things that are pretty commonplace now, but at the time were not so, and Google really liked that. And so I launched that website in March of 2013. And by the end of 2013, it was getting maybe seven to 800,000 visits a month from Google, at least the vast majority of them from Google. And I was capturing email addresses. And so I was building a bit of a following. So when I released the podcast, it, uh, it quickly got up to nothing, nothing, nothing wild, but I don't know, maybe a few thousand plays per episode initially. And I, I didn't take it very seriously for a couple of years, really, I kind of just continued doing it that way. And then a couple of years ago, I decided to take it more seriously because podcasting, because it was already growing despite how bad it was. And, uh, and podcasting was getting more and more popular. So I saw it as a, a good use of my time essentially. And so then I started to, to, produce better episodes, like actually take time to, um, or what I would do is like, so I do research and I'd write an article and then now I'm in a good position to produce a podcast where I can essentially read the article. I don't have to read it word for word, but I can kind of just go through it. And now I'm on the other end of that with like a, a good 30 minute deep dive into something, for example, that doesn't have much in the way of useless rambling is, is pretty informative. And so I've been doing it that way and then started doing interviews and just, just made it into something a bit more um, formal and I guess conventional, you know? We do know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Similar, similar story. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, we will get, we'll occasionally pick up new listeners that reach out and we're like, you know, I went back into the archives oh. and listened to the first 100 and we're like, what did you I've do? thought about deleting them. Like, should I just what did you do? We almost yeah. should just like re like re-record them because uh, at the time we were in Costa Mesa, uh, California, like near Newport beach. And we were in this like industrial unit. And for some reason, every podcast we did, uh, the guys would come. Yeah, waste pick up management trash. knew. Yeah, they knew yeah, waste dude, management, and they'd they come were and slam dumpsters. <laughs> they That's were stalking good. our podcast uh, schedule. They would show up and be like, <laughs> and we'd be like, "Dude, we've we, we've done them in the afternoons. We've done them in the mornings. Tuesday, Wednesday, it doesn't matter." <laughs> Should they we come. edit that out? Nah, fuck it. <laughs> and so people are like, uh, "I missed a whole three minutes." I'm like, "Well, that was waste management, just destroying mm-hmm. shit." Yeah, yeah, and um, we didn't want to go with that. Uh, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, you can't. No, you can't delete that, dude. No, the, yeah, you can't. The, you your can't first hundred episodes is like your high, the tribal armband tattoo you got in high school. Like you uh, just you just can't cover that up. You know you got to like really. I celebrate. don't know. You're, you're the only person I know that has a tribal armband from high school. <laughs> Easy tramp stamp. I like. I, I like that you have one. I, you say it, and then you're like, "See, look here, first oh, hand." Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Well, the crazy part is your arms got so much bigger since high school that it doesn't connect any longer. You saw the picture I just showed you. I was I was sporting like 18 inch pipes back then. 22% body fat. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Michael, what do you what do you enjoy more? Do you enjoy the the research and the writing portion or is it now involved into that that word of mouth, your spoken word mm-hmm. in educating? Uh, I like I like the researching and 
writing more than the podcasting. I don't mind the podcasting, uh, especially if I, if there are interesting interviews, I'd say that's what I like the most doing the monologues or it's okay. It's, it's not particularly exciting, especially because by, by the time I've finished writing an article on something, I'm like ready to move on to something else. Um, but I do like the practice though. I think that being able to, um, even so, whether it's whether it's again not necessarily word for word, but reading off of a script to some degree, or working off of an outline, being able to turn that into um, well-spoken monologues, I think is a good skill to have in the future. Maybe I'll want to do public speaking, for example, and that would that would obviously be a, a form of practice of that. And I think it's just in general communication is one of those meta skills that the better you are at communicating in general and writing certainly applies to this because to be a good writer uh, you have to you have to be able to uh, synthesize a lot of information you have to be able to uh, present information in a logical uh, and interesting manner and, and, and that require that means the flow of it that means how are you opening it in particular are you grabbing people's attention are you telling them why they should give a shit what you have to say and so forth so uh, as i'm interested in that just as a as a general skill the the podcasting that i have done i'd say is, is good practice in that so that's that's a bit of my why for it outside of the service that it provides other people the, the, the selfish part of it is it allows me to practice a skill that uh, I like to practice. And again, that I would say is probably most responsible for the success that I've had uh, with not just the books and where, where that's obvious and the, and the articles and the podcast, but also with, with Legion, because that, that grew out of the work I was doing in the books and articles and podcasts. What, let's jump to Legion. What motivated you to enter the, the supplement inter- industry? Because it's, man, it's, it's so crowded from an outsider's perspective. Nobody knows where to begin. What was that push to get you going? Lamborghinis and Rolexes. <laughs> Lambos <laughs> and Rollies, baby. <laughs> well, what's so hard is uh, supplements are a commodity. I mean, yep. when you talk about like whey protein, I mean, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I guess it does on a, on a grander scale. Some are worse, some are better. But in like a supplement deal where it becomes this commodity, really what people are doing is they're buying you as a brand. Um, I remember I had this conversation when Mark Bell told me, hey, I want to sell protein. And I was like, uh, I don't know if you're going to come on and do anything unique in the protein market other than the fact that people are going to buy your products. Oh, and there's protein I can get there too at a competitive price. So, I mean, with that kind of being the case, like how have you differentiated yourself? I mean, obviously through all the other things you're doing and if people are fans of what you're doing, they're going to buy the supplements. But what's, uh, what's kind of the, the, the catch of the hook or what makes Legion a little different? Yeah, 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 good questions. Uh, so... How it started to answer the first question is it, it was similar to bigger than your stronger right it was just scratching my own itch like i just was making i had so so here let me back up so i had this i had this website muscle for life on it i had a section called recommendations and they were just things i liked they're fitness related things some things not even related to fitness because i was getting asked all the time about different things i liked right so for fitness, it was every little like, what shoes do I like to wear? What straps do I like to wear when I deadlift? Because uh, I don't want to destroy my my thumbs with a hook grip. So I'm a girl, and I and I uh, and I use straps according to according to Sal over at Mind Pump, and uh, and so 
the, the, I also had, I had other things there, right? Now I would link out. The dude said you were a girl because you don't want to hook her up on a deadlift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's well, that's then, uh, Sal, that's Sal's recurring. Uh, yeah, Sal, you don't deadlift enough, pal. Yeah, he doesn't deadlift heavy enough, or <laughs> I mean, or, or, or he has abs, uh, abnormally small woman hands, which I mean <laughs> is really the, uh, you know, I mean, man, the I, the fact that people associate that, I'm like, have, if you've ever tried to hook grip like six six over five hundred pounds, I mean, I hook grip six hundred pounds and I did that one time. I'll yep. never fucking do that again. I mean, I, I, I hook gripped 225. I remember I was warming up and I was like, this is going to be terrible. Uh, <laughs> this is my, my thumbs are not going to work anymore if, if this is how it feels at 225. And they're like, oh, yeah, don't worry. You'll, you'll get used to it. I'm like, what you mean your thumbs will just go numb? And that's <laughs> that is that getting used to it? And uh, no, I'll, t- I'll take I'll take the straps. I, 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 uh, I'll wear them on my heavy sets. And because I, I, I was doing mixed grip for a long time, uh, but I got away from that because I don't like the, the imbalanced strain that it puts on. So for me, my my right side is what was turned under. Um, well, you got to alternate. So um, I know I know. And I didn't. But it yeah. was it was it was too awkward. Like if I if I if if I were to have my my left palm up. I just couldn't get used to it because I'm right-handed. And maybe if I would have stuck with it long enough, I guess I probably would have gotten used to it. But I tried it for a bit and it just always felt awkward. And, you know, as that, that meant that I couldn't use the weights that I wanted to use. And so eventually I was like, okay, I'm not just going to keep mixed gripping on one side because I don't think I'll get hurt per se, but not, not nothing, nothing acute or severe, but uh, you, you set yourself up for minimally some repetitive stress injuries, right. Of, and, and that's why I started to notice was just strain on my biceps tendon, um, uh, on my, on my, and that's common. If you, if you only, if you don't alternate your mixed grip, right. You start well, people start, um, what they start doing is it gets heavy. They start actually bending at the elbow. And then mm-hmm. what happens is they don't keep the arm straight, which loads the bicep. And then you have a chance of ripping the biceps, which, uh, yeah, there's I've that seen happen. I mean, I, I was getting it actually up in the bicipital groove and it was, it was, again, it's just repetitive stress. And it was just, you just keep on loading something over and over and over in a way that, I mean, even if it's, even if you're doing it properly, right. If let's say you're not deloading often enough, which I made that mistake in the past, like you're setting yourself up for RSIs. Um, so anyway, uh, I had this, I had this, that, that, that's the strap. That's why I was like, all right, I'm done with mixed grip. I'm not going to hook grip. I'm officially going to straps. My grip is good enough. If I care, I'll do some, some little plate grabs or something. Um, and, and so I had this section on the website recommendations and I was linking to Amazon wherever possible. And I was participating in their affiliate program, not because the money, it never made that much money. I was just curious if people cared, if people would want to buy things that I recommended and Amazon's cookie is only 24 hours. It's not perfect, but whatever, it was better than nothing. And what I saw is that a lot of people were buying my supplement recommendations, even though my supplement recommendations. So this is before I had Legion. Uh, I, I, they were, they were, they were like the antithesis of selling. Like, I remember I was using our, I think I was using ons pre-workout and basically my recommendation, the endorsement was this isn't a very good product. Uh, it's under, it's underdosed. It had, I think it had four grams of citrulline and like two grams or 1.6 grams of beta alanine. I was like, that's literally half of what you want, uh, in both cases, more or less. And it, it tastes okay. 
I, I just don't like coffee. If I liked coffee, I probably would just drink some coffee. And sometimes I use uh, a caffeine pill if I just don't feel uh, it's, it's maybe better than nothing. That's, that's about it. And, and on, on, on protein, on the, I was using ons naturally sweetened protein. Uh, and I, I was like, this stuff tastes like shit straight up. It is gross. <laughs> it's actually gross. And people are buying it, but <laughs> yeah, in. I was like, but uh, I'm using it because not that I'm um, alarmed about artificial sweeteners. However, uh, in my case, I can tolerate a few servings per day. After that, my stomach starts to feel weird. It just upsets my stomach. And then in terms of the, the scientific research on these chemicals, no, they're not dangerous. Not, they're not nearly as much of a problem as, as like fake doctors on the internet would have you believe. But I do think there's something to be said for there is some evidence that having a, a lot of these chemicals regularly is is maybe not good for your health and not good for your gut health. And as us workout people tend to, I mean, if we're all in on supplements, that's pre-workout, that's in some cases intra-workout, like BCAAs, because people think they do something, of course they don't. That's post-workout. That's unless like- you're, Unless you're in a protein deficit. Uh, well, most people. Why would you be in a protein deficit though? Exactly, Just eat more protein. Exactly. It's like, uh, dude, why would you do that? Well, I'm. I, I'm. It's crazy. Whenever you read like any of the research on BC or any of the supportive research for people yeah. recommending it, it's always people that are like, "That's oh, the catch." I'm That's always the catch. Uh, or, or they're eating like you know, like uh, 30 grams of total protein a day, and they're in this weird protein deficit. But I'm always like, man, if you're if you're eating one plus one gram of protein per pound of body weight, like yeah, uh, you should be. You're kind of. Wasting money. It. Yeah, it's yeah just, you're just wasting money. I mean, I get, that's, that's the number one product we get asked for is BCAs, BCAs. And we have a standard copy and paste response that explains why I've written about it, I've spoken about it. And, and some people are even like, oh, well, that's good to know, but I just like tasty water. So if you guys could just make BCAs, I'll give you, I'll give you my money. I'm like, well, unfortunately, that's not a very strong pitch. Uh, that, that, that's like these <laughs> supplement pitches. Like, this is useless really unless you don't eat enough protein in which case you should just eat enough protein but it does make your water tasty um anyway so so what i saw is that people were buying a lot of supplements with these these terrible recommendations where i was like lukewarm meh about everything basically and so i, I got the idea okay well what if i then made the stuff that i wanted um, and if somebody else were doing it, I wouldn't have probably done Legion. I probably would have just went to them and say, hey, this is what it, what it said. I, this is what I'm doing. And here's what I plan on doing. We should work together. Like you pay me money. I will promote your stuff and I'll use it because I like it. Uh, but that didn't exist. So I figured I'll just do it myself. And I knew that uh, it, it, I wasn't going to get stuck with the inventory because at this point I had enough of a following and I was selling enough of other people's stuff without even trying to sell it at all that if I had things I could stand behind and, and actually sell uh, in, in a way that I like, felt was, was ethical, mm-hmm. then I could, uh, I could definitely sell more than I'm selling for on, right? And I didn't know ultimately where it would go, but that was, that was at least the, the genesis of the idea. And then looking into the market a bit further, uh, I became more interested in it because I saw just more potential. And so that's, that's, how I, that's how I jumped into it. And we started with a, a whey protein and we started with um, a pre-workout and I believe just like a simple creatine product. And that was, that was 2014. Um, and now you got Lamborghinis, Rolexes and Hummers. 
<laughs> uh, no uh, to the Lamborghini. And I, I have, I've actually, it's, it's interesting as, so, so if, you, if you fast forward to, to today, uh, Legion is, is gonna do over $20 million in sales this year. And I mean, it's legitimately now the biggest all natural sports supplement company out there. I don't know wow. of a company that uses all natural ingredients, meaning that no artificial sweeteners, no artificial food dyes, no artificial flavorings. Um, and the flavorings is really not necessary. I don't, I don't know of any evidence that suggests that, that having any amount of artificial flavoring would be bad for you. But I figured in the beginning, all right, well, if I'm not gonna use artificial, um, sweeteners and food dyes, which again, I stand behind. If you had a couple servings per day, it's probably not an issue, but if you're having like 12 servings per day for years, I would still say that's probably not the best for, for your health, particularly your gut health. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to go with natural ingredients there, I might as well go with the natural flavoring as well. Um, because I mean, this comes to your point. Uh, the second question was, was regarding the USP of the of the company well one of the things was all natural and there is um there's obviously a, a straight marketing element to that right i mean there, there's there a lot of people will automatically assume that something is better for them just because it is all natural and, and of course that's actually a fallacy that's not always the case well you know um, you, you know what else is all natural snake venom and dog shit mm. And yeah, so whenever we get into this, like uh, snake venom can be useful if you it do it, you, you uh, could you could build immunity uh, to it. Yeah, Who did, there was a famous like story. I, about well, iocane powder, like in uh, Princess Bride, mm -hmm. but like it's it's pretty funny, man. Like uh, going through this thing, people are always like, "Well, it's all natural." I'm like, "Yeah, so is dog shit." Like, I mean, <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, so it, it's pretty funny that like there's certain taglines that people associate with not only supplements but whatnot, where insulin gives you credibility, all natural, opposed to yep. what you know. Yep. And, and that, again, that's a matter of uh, marketing and trends like that trend is growing and that, that's not going to that's not going to change. We're seeing more and more people gravitate toward things that are more natural, period. Even look at, at dieting and how people are eating and what is what is the growing trend is just eating uh, less processed foods. Of course, we can't get away from food processing. And that'd be another example where, uh, OK, if, do you like your oatmeal? Okay, it has been processed. Like food processing is not bad per se. Even milk, milk has been processed and it's not bad for you. Uh, but of course we know that highly processed foods are generally gonna be uh, the ones that are nutritionally bankrupt and they're usually gonna have a lot of added calories, prepackaged stuff that like, yeah, you shouldn't be eating too much of that because if you do, you're not going to feel good and your body's not going to do well. Right. Um, so, 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 but that all natural angle, uh, is, is part of Legion's USP because it is what I like about it is while like take, take the science-based angle, right. When we launched Legion, that was supplement companies were appealing to science, uh, to some degree, but it wasn't as prevalent, uh, and as prominent as, as it is now where every supplement company, uh, most supplement companies, especially ones that are doing well, are really making a pretense of being science-based now. Whereas before it was kind of like an aside, it was more about the big juiced up bodybuilder and the ridiculous claims and like, oh, maybe a couple random citations and uh, studies show blah. Now it has become, again, a, a much bigger part of the, the pitch for a lot of these products. Sounds like T-Nation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, 
So when I launched Legion though, that, that wasn't so much the case. So that was a little bit unique that I was taking time to explain the science and really break these ingredients down, explain what they are, how do they work? What are the proven benefits? Cite the research so you can go check it out for yourself. And that resonated with a lot of my crowd because a lot of my people came from books and articles and podcasts. These are people who most people don't read books, for example, they just, they don't educate themselves much uh, at all about anything, right? So I already was was kind of pre-selecting for higher caliber people uh, as, it, as it was. And that has been later reflected in, in demographics, for example, like I know that Legion's customers, um, uh, the, the education levels are um, like master's degrees and above are overrepresented among our customers. Higher income, 100K plus is overrepresented among our customers. And so for, for my crowd, they appreciated the, the fact that I was writing these obnoxiously long product pages that uh, have improved over time. In the beginning, they weren't even great in that they were, again, they weren't, they, there, there was a lot more education. It was like 80% education and 20% salesmanship, right. which which worked well though with my crowd, does not work well with people who aren't already indoctrinated, who aren't already part of my cult. Um, so, so in time, the pages have, uh, in the, the marketing on the whole has, I've, I've, I've I think I've, I've tried to strike a balance between like, okay, here's the short and simple pitch for, for this product or what we're doing. And then here's all the information if you want it basically. Um, but as far as what it means to be a science-based supplement company that we can start with formulations. And this is also to the point of USP and um, a lot of consumers, if they weren't to take the time to really look into it, they wouldn't understand that there's any difference between my formulations and someone else's. But if people were willing to uh, look a, a little bit, they would see, for example, that we ever have used a proprietary blend. And again, space has moved away from proprietary blends since 2014. But at the time, proprietary blends were very common, most popular pre-workouts and most of the popular like um, formulation supplements, not protein powders per, per se, but, but pre-workouts, post-workouts, fat burners, whatever had proprietary blends and they had these silly names. And that was something early on that I was explaining to people, like the only reason you do that is to, is fraud. That's the only reason you use a proprietary blend. It's just just to hide. Exactly. It's just a pixie dust. And a lot of people don't know that the the first ingredient in the blend is, that means that it it has more of that than anything else, but they don't know that. And furthermore, they don't know that. So what that means is the first ingredient in the blend, which could be something cheap, like in the case of a pre-workout, I remember popular pre-workout, the first ingredient in one of their big, in terms of weight blends was, was Malto, right? So that actually could be 95% of the entire blend. You have no idea how much of the remaining 15 ingredients are in the product, right? And so now that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of supplement consumers know that, they're more sophisticated now than they were, um, but that was something that was unique. It just just full label transparency, uh, no shenanigans there. And then also just spending a lot of money on these products. And this is something that I've explained many times, and this is one of the reasons why the supplement industry is it's not a very good business if you can't 
if you don't have some uh, true marketing advantage, because to create good products, they're expensive, even with where Legion's at now, and, and it has been able to leverage economies of scale to, to some degree, my whey proteins, my whey isolate still costs me, when it's all said and done, I want to say around 18 to $19 a bottle to produce and ship to someone. And uh, that's the all-in cost, right? And, and that's, that's selling, I don't, I, I'd have to look, I have to pull off our, our dashboard. We sell a lot of whey protein. Now, we don't sell a lot compared to Optum Nutrition and some others, but we sell a lot, uh, there, objectively, we, we sell a lot, right? And um, my, my greens supplement still costs $18 because it's not just a cheap collection of fruit and vegetable powders. Like it has expensive stuff in it. Like it's green because it has spirulina, for example. Spirulina is expensive. And so in the beginning, I, I didn't want to make bullshit products and just lie because that's most of what the supplement industry is. Most right. influencers in particular, like you were saying, oh, some random guy, he's like, I have a million followers or some random woman. I have a, I have a million followers on Instagram. I'll just do some supplements. And that how that works is almost every time they go to a manufacturer and they say, hey, uh, I want a pre-workout and I want to make a lot of money. And, and the manufacturer says, oh, yeah, sure. We have this off-the-shelf formulation. It's super good. Trust me. And, and he's like, okay, how much does it cost? $5 a bottle. Oh, okay, $5 a bottle, sell for 40 Yeah, yeah, that's good. Give me that. Uh, and that's it. Like, that's, that's the R&D of, of, of the company, right? And then and you the take a bunch of pictures on Instagram of you posing with your cell phone. Cell phones. In front two, of a Lamborghini. Two phones. And then you sit yeah, and you write things like doing How blessed things, you are. Yeah, just how moves, blessed you are, you know? How blessed. Yeah. Making yeah. moves. And then uh, and then people fucking who ride you and you're like, oh, make, uh, dude, look at you doing big thing. And then it's like, oh my God. So this gets into Matt. Fucking this, bullshit. Or, Mike, this is yep. an interesting piece because one of the things, we have a network of coaches that we also serve and there's a lot of coaches that listen to this podcast in addition to like people who bang weights and train and stuff like that. Uh, and that industry in and of itself is suffering a little bit of this. You have people who look jacked. You know, they, John, what were we saying? You take six months to diet down for one photo shoot that you can use all year to maintain yeah, how jacked yeah, you are. And all year? Your- you mean well, at least? Come yeah, on. You, well, you, might, mean, you might be able to get a, a decade out of it. It depends yeah. how, how, how badly you age. You know? Paige well, Hathaway. Well, the, um, um, <laughs> well, what they do is they get a photo shoot, but they take like 30 outfits. Yeah. And like all these, you know, and they like, and then they uh-huh. just fucking, they have do hundreds it. of pictures and just Rent drop, a bunch of different drop, cars to drop, lean on. Drop. The, uh, so, but or, or you no- just find them parking lots you yeah know. you just roll yeah. over with your cell phone it's a good yeah. move doing yeah, big yeah. things oh yeah. Jesus. these supplements so if that if the fitness industry in terms of the influencer in pushing training is secondary to what i would imagine the supplement industry has to compete with especially an organization and company brand like yours that is investing in quality and and trying to get into get that notion into somebody's head who is definitely like the pecs, abs, and butt type of person. They're like, oh, pecs, abs, butt, I'll buy. Uh, how, how do you how, do? Do you battle that? Do you go like? Do you? What do you do to try well, to inform these customers, or do you just know? Not my audience. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I would say uh, to 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 use um, 
the the model created by um, Eugene Schwartz, famous copywriter, breakthrough advertising. So you have different levels of sophistication, right, in any market. And so what you're talking about is the, at the lowest level, you have very unsophisticated and ignorant consumers. And I don't mean stupid; I just mean ignorant. They just don't know. I'm an ignorant consumer in many ways. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna go buy some technological trinket, yeah, I'm ignorant. I don't know shit about TVs and I'm not going to take the time to inform myself. I'm probably just going to look at some simple rankings and lists of online or some kind and be like, whatever, it's a TV, buy it. Right. And so you have a lot of people who come in and supplementation at that level of sophistication. And I understand from their perspective. So you have me and take my fat burner, right? On the sales page, I'm explaining how important it is to know what you're doing in the kitchen and that no, no pills, powders, or potions are going to magically melt fat off your body. And here's, here's realistically what you can expect with this product if you are following a diet that makes sense and you probably should be training as well. And so, okay, so you're like, that, that doesn't sound fun. And then uh, you, you, you are on Amazon clicking around and these pills say that you're going to lose 20 pounds in 30 days and you don't have to diet. You don't even have to exercise. And corn dogs in these pills will give you the body of your dreams. The, the pancake <laughs> corn dog diet. Who knows? <laughs> I can catch on. You never know in this space. Um, so I understand why you have many consumers who they go, eh, fuck it. I'll try the, even if they're skeptical, they're like, I don't, I have a hard time believing it, but I want to believe it enough to buy this and I'm just going to try it. Right. And they don't understand that. Well, this is, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't rampant, but in some cases you have, you have products that uh, in, in, in terms of fat loss, it has been dangerous stimulants in the past where you don't actually really know what you're getting. And that's, I guess, another, another would that be another, another tangent, but, um, like this is a, this is completely unregulated. The FDA does not check products and you can get away with all kinds of shit for a long time before you ever will get in trouble. And if you do get in trouble, you're probably just going to pay some money and move on with your life and continue being a scummy piece of shit. Yeah. Like, rebranded, change well, the formulation well, what's or not even, or not even, or you just, <laughs> just keep going. Yeah. You just change yeah. the name. But or no, crazy. or you literally do nothing. You just, you just keep going. But are we, talking, people, about, are we but, talking about rip fuel? What, <laughs> what, for, for what's local. crazy is the supplement industry, which has zero regulation, but the minute that you try to make a food, they will fucking yes. burn you down, the FDA. <laughs> it is like FDA facility. I mean, Well, um, much like ingredients, F is first. Dude. Food. And then drug. Uh, dude, it's so crazy. Like the uh, the blurry line. I mean, you have dudes, and I'm sure you've seen this, like, uh, you know, back in the day, people would buy all this stuff from China and were mixing it in their garages and selling it. Yeah. And like, uh, like now I'm sure you have, you know, labs and formulation and huge production. But literally dudes were just taking handfuls, no gloves, throwing it in and selling it. And it's like the FDA is like, well, we're good. Supplements. Proprietary <laughs> blend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And fortunately, um, now, I'm not sure how much of that's going on now and where the FDA is directly involved is with the manufacturers. So they, they at least do try to enforce um, good good practices on the manufacturers. And there are manufacturers that that cheat, of course, but that's that's any game. Right. Um, so anyway, so with the. Um, uh, what was I? What was I, I saying previously? Oh, with fat burners, right? Fat so you burner, have sophisticated, yeah. yeah. So you have, you have somebody. They're going to try the the too good to be true product, and it's going to be too good to be true. They're going to realize that. Maybe they'll try one more, right? And there's a point though where they're now they're burned on the um, 
the 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 outright bullshit of the space and so now anyone those kinds of pitches whereas they once drew them in now repel them and they're like no 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 none of that like what else is there right and so that's where that's where i come in so i don't i don't get as many um entry level consumers or customers as maybe uh, I don't even know, maybe, maybe some of my even direct competitors, but I get a lot of the consumers who have been burned by those people and who no longer trust them and who are fed up with all of the bullshit. And that's more has been my message from the beginning. And so uh, that then draws them to me. And then the question is, can I deliver? And I deliver in, in several ways. So uh, again, it comes down to just producing, continuing to produce a lot of educational stuff, right? So again, I'm kind of pre-selecting already when the the blog over at Legion gets between right now eight to 900,000 visits a month. And my podcast is probably about the same in plays. Maybe when you factor in YouTube, maybe 800,000 plays a month. And I sell maybe 20, although COVID it dipped and now it's back. I don't know, on average, maybe 25,000 books a month. And so by continuing to do that and building up that ecosystem, I'm bringing in those more sophisticated consumers, the more skeptical consumers. And I mean, I was once, I'm sure all you guys were as well. We were all once the, the ignorant entry level. We just walked into GNC and, uh, ask the guy, well, what, sh what should I get? And then he takes you back to the under lock and key, uh, you know, the testosterone uh, boosters and the nutrient partitioners and all that stuff. And yeah. you're, you're leaving with $400 and no. useless. Uh, yeah. Well, you were in no. the NFL. What do you like? You got, you had smart no, people we, leading you. We had Zangus. Oh yeah. I had marathon <laughs> nutrition. So when I was 14, the old yeah. dude that used to train me, uh, I was a power lifter. We lived in his garage. He had a supplement company called Marathon Nutrition. Was GNC okay. around back then? Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like we wouldn't. I, I'm just yeah. So he you. would just give us stuff that had no labels. And like, I remember <laughs> I was in 19, it had to be 91. He gave us creatine and was like this, these bottles and this is the stuff creatine and gave it. So I, I just joked that I'm probably the longest continuous creatine user on the planet over 30 years on creatine. You should contact Guinness. Yeah, no problems. <laughs> but the, uh, um, yeah, so he used to just give us a bunch of shit with no labels and not really tell us what it is. And just like be like, that. hey, take this and let me know what happens. Supplement we'd be like, roulette. <laughs> yeah, we'd be like, okay, George. And then, Supplement uh, roulette. And then he'd be like, how was it? I'm like, well, I took it and um, I shit my brains out for three days. Mm -hmm. huh, okay, take less. Did he mix it with his hands? No, he actually <laughs> legitimately had like a, like, like a natural food supplement circle, Marathon Nutrition, and they actually sold legit stuff that people went to, ah. but they, like companies would send him stuff to put on his shelves back yeah. in the day. This is pre-internet. Uh. And uh, he would just give it to us to test. Did he ever or, or give us old stuff that they couldn't sell? Did he mistake uh, a chalk bucket and you just had uh, to supplement dude, chalk? The protein was so awful. The only way you could drink it was if you plugged your nose, because if you <laughs> smelled it as you were drinking it, you would totally gag and throw up. And, yeah, I, rem and I remember that was my experience with beef protein powder. Dude, I yeah, tried that yeah. one time, dude, never again. He, I couldn't drink it. I couldn't even finish it. I was like, okay, that's going in the trash. Dude, it was so awful. He would give it to us in these tubs and be like, oh, you got to take four scoops of that with a banana. And I give this whole fucking thing. And I remember my dad looking at me being like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, dad, I, I want to be making, big and strong. Gains. Yeah. I want to be big and strong. And uh, uh, George said that I got to drink this stuff. And I, he'd like, just give me these dirty looks and yeah. I would have to plug my nose. And then you catch a whiff and be like, Ugh. yeah. 
and uh, famous yeah. words of John Wellborn or uh, John's dad is like lifting weights and getting strong. What's that going to do for you? It's just, just counting to ten over and over again, and then like no, what he said was came. he he said he's like, why do you want to lift weights? Morons do that. It's counting to ten <laughs> over and over again, and that's not going to help you ever in life, and it's not yeah. going to lead you anywhere. And I was like, no, Dad, I think this lifting weights thing is going to be important. And uh, he's like, it's for morons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you bought him a Porsche. Hey, and then I, I mean, bought him a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> Socrates disagreed with him. Socrates is on our side. Yeah, yeah no, fair it, enough. It, it, yeah, it just was really funny. Uh, like the, you know, it's just counting to ten over and over again. Which yeah, I, that, that I, is I, good. I, I like that. Yeah. So, Mike, is there, there, there was a who was it? There was some power lifter. I think he was a power, power lifter who he was known for his 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 chicken breast. Uh, Shakes, you know what I'm talking about? It was uh, <sighs> he would he would t- he would like yeah. boil boil chicken and, and throw put it in, it the, in blender. the blender with water and blend it and drink it. Uh, that good. wasn't Kaz. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna remember his name, uh, but well, so the, as it, we're, we'll look it up here. Well, well, but my, the the hilarious part was all this stuff. It's like what they didn't tell you, and I, I remember meeting all like when we were kids. I mean, we met like you know all these like famous power lifters, and they'd be always like talking to us about diet and eating. And you get a little older and you're like, well, yeah, I assume that you're reading that. But what about like the five handfuls of Dianabol? And it was like, <laughs> you know, like we were like 14, 15, 16 year old eh, kids. And, and like, uh, I thought these guys were like, I remember we went to lift weights and I like saw these plates uh, in George's garage, like on the bar. And I was like, it's so high. Why are they storing them up there? And then these big dudes went and lifted it. And I was like, holy shit. Like, oh, you know, you got to get your protein, uh, beef tablets. And they went through this whole thing. And, uh, and, they're, and they're supplements. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and then, yeah, not the handfuls of Dianabol I'm fucking gulping down. So, uh-huh. yeah. And then yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that makes it easier. Mike, it, as yeah. like as is there like a move as well? Like d- the d- can supplement companies ship their product out to independent testing Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like, do that. And like use that and bang that war drum as well. Because I feel like that's like the ultimate differentiator of a competitor who wouldn't be willing to do that is like, yeah, these they're guys hiding something. Yeah, they're clearly proprietary they're, blend. Well, it's a supplement industry. They're lying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for money. Oh, wow, shocker. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you can do that. We do that. We've used uh, Eurofins. We've used Covance. Those are two big reputable labs and we now work with Labdoor as well and we've been working with them for some time because they do uh, independent testing and they do a pretty good job with their marketing and their their brand is growing so it's also it's 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 good marketing and that's that's an important point though because even if and this is just another layer of fuckery in the in the supplement space so even if you wanted to make good stuff you actually don't want to rip people off you are willing to put a lot more money than your competitors into formulations. And not only that, you're also willing to work with formulators who know what they're doing. There are a lot of formulators in the space who actually just don't know what they're doing. Their their formulations are just not good, or maybe they're good at best, right? In my case, I recruited, you guys familiar with examine.com? No, not really. Really? You've never come across examine. Wow. You guys would like it, but I'm not the guy. I mean, it's really the, I think you could say it's the premier resource for deep science-based information on supplementation. And when you, when you poke around, you'll see, um, and, and it, it's an independent organization. They don't sell supplements. They don't they just review any. stuff. Uh, they don't even review stuff. They actually, as you'll see, it's, it's like ingredient by ingredient, individual ingredients, individual supplements, extremely uh, thorough. I think and, I got and, their newsletter. And I think I st- they have a, they I have unsubscribed to it because it was so dense. Where I was like, man, I I can't read. No, I understand. I understand that that's been that that's been. Uh, I, I tried to explain to them early on that 
all this this highly technical information is great, but for the average person who is like, motherfucker, I just want to know, does theanine help me will, or not? Like, and how much should I take? I don't want to wade through uh, 9,000 words with nine syllable words in every sentence, uh, you know, to, to, to find that out. And they, 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 they tried to go in that direction to make it a little bit more user-friendly and they, they have accomplished that to some degree. Uh, but I think they could have done a better job in, in that. We're, uh, I'm always amazed at the mindset with the supplement industry that like, you know, there's always these like new little nuances. And it's pretty funny because whenever the people that I run into that are spouting of these things, hey, I take this one, it works great. They don't look physically impressive and they usually aren't very strong. And I'm like, man, like I wonder, uh, like, in a, if you could think about it, like supplements probably make a less than a 5% difference in what like your overall physique and strength in this. Why yep. have people like gone so fucking hard, so deep, just so, uh, you know, like it just, I don't even know the, the, the analogy for it, but into this deal where they're searching out all of these little tiny, uh, this and this and this substance here and here when realistically the bulk of, of performance and what they're looking for just looks like consistency, hard work, eating, uh, like you said, dense. like, yeah, nutrient dense food. If you want to lose weight, eating enough protein in a caloric deficit where, you know, if you want to, um, you know, put on muscle, not eating like an asshole, like you talked about earlier, which is funny cause I've used that exact same phrase yeah. numerous times. <laughs> um, you know, and it's like, you know, like I, uh, when people, especially when people approach me, the first question they have is supplements. I'm always like, okay, how many days a week are you training? Like, what does your training look like? And like, we yeah. get into this initial talk and like, oh yeah, no, 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 I'm doing that. Well, like, tell me what you do. And it's like, okay, well, you know, um, uh, the way your training is fucking awful and all the money that you're going to burn on supplements is probably a, a waste until you can get all of these other things. How many hours are you sleeping? What do you, you know, it's yeah. like all these things that are, are the rate of return is so much higher on this side, but yet this fucking crazy minutia that people just want to sink it. I mean, you, you, you obviously have a very successful company banking on that minutia, but like, can you get mm -hmm. a little into the, the psychology and of even that piece? Like the term in and of, a, in and of itself supplement is an accessory to a core something, which yes. is exactly yeah, yeah. what you're it's talking like supplementary about. by definition. We yeah. let's start there, <laughs> yeah, right? Dude, <laughs> dude, it's in the name. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. I'm taking crazy right. pills. Totally. No, it's a good question. Uh, quickly, just to just to, to finish answering others. So, what, the reason I brought up Examine is I, I recruited the guy who did all the initial research. Uh, basically, I would say eighty percent of the technical information you find on that website was researched and written by a guy named Curtis. And he has a, a bit of a following of his own in the supplement space, particularly on subreddits related to supplementation and fitness because of how knowledgeable he is in biology and supplementation. And so I recruited him early on to create formulations. Now, because of his affiliation with Examine at the time, we, he was he asked that I just don't mention him. And it was it was uh, he, his partners and everybody in the team knew that he did some formulating here and there, um, but he wasn't going to publicly associate himself with my company because of examine. And so I was like, that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to take credit for the formulations. I'll just tell people the truth. I'll say, I have somebody who I consider one of the premier experts, but because of his work, um, he just can't have any public affiliation with any, any supplement companies. And so now Curtis works with me full time. So I can, I could say that, but uh, so it was finding there's being willing to spend the money and, and then finding the person or the people who can who can turn that money into good formulations 
And I've also since then recruited several other people, thought leaders in the evidence space, fitness space to um, supplement uh, Curtis's work as a scientific advisory board, people who previously have never really, I don't think they've ever been associated with supplement companies like Eric Helms and Spencer Rodolsky and Men uh, Menno Henselmans and James Krieger and other people. Um, and so, okay, there, I mean, that I'm, I'm trying to do it right. Now, if you don't work with the right manufacturer, you can get fucked and then your customers can get fucked because a manufacturer, they can tell you they're producing something. This is this point of third party testing. They can tell you, oh yeah, yeah, we, we put everything in there. You're good to go. And they did not. And that sets you up to fail because then if, if there is third party testing that's done, if somebody, and there are people out there who work in labs and it doesn't cost any money and they, they have access to the, uh, to, to the equipment and they might run your protein through it, or they might do an analysis on a simpler product to see what's in there. And I ran into this with trying to set up a, a backup manufacturer for some of our pill products. So we have a multivitamin that has a lot of ingredients. It has, I think right now, the formulations have changed. Um, Curtis has in the, in the, in the board have updated things once or twice over the years. I think it's at like 20, it's at 21 vitamins and minerals, the, the essential stuff, and then 11 additional ingredients, stuff that you wouldn't be eating. Right. Um, or for the most part, wouldn't be eating. And so I needed a backup contact this company in New York. They have all the certifications. I tell them I'm going to get uh, your products and I want three bottles off of the line and I'm going to get them tested and I'm going to send them off to, uh, I think I was working with Eurofins and it's expensive. I think it was $6,000 just to get that one product tested because of how many ingredients is in it. And I told them I'm going to do that though, because again, I don't trust uh, trust, but verify. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so I tell them that they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. No problem. Their price was really good. Okay. So they, they do it. They produce, I don't remember what the, uh, what the minimum quantity was, whatever it was at the time and bottles go off. And also I told them like, I'm not paying you by the way. I, I mean, I said it nicely, but it's going to check once it has passed testing, I will pay and, and, and then we can work together. Right. And it comes back. Uh, all three bottles are basically just vitamin C pills. I'm like, how, how fucking stupid are you? Like I told you I was going to do this. And then they just doubled down. They were I mean, saying that their tests were accurate. Their internal, Oh, look, our little COA here that we typed up on a typewriter. Probably uh, yeah. it's accurate. And, and I'm like, and, and Eurofins, oh, they're inaccurate. I'm like, no, no, goodbye. So uh, that that's, that's also, that's, that's greed, right? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. About, yeah. It's just ridiculous. I mean, that's just straight up. People some people are, are just fucking criminals, dude. They're, yeah. That's it. Like, that's how their mind works. And I, I knew someone who was like this. Uh, I don't want to get off on too many random tangents, but you'll find this story funny. Here's an example of a true, just twisted, criminally minded person, right? So it was a guy. And, uh, at 11 or 12, he, he had gotten in trouble on a like little, it was like a little cruise thing with teen friends of his in the community. And he organized orgies essentially. And he was like bringing drugs and alcohol in from the islands there at, at 12. Right. So it gives you an idea of what this guy is about. Uh, fast forward to he's, he's, I don't know, in his twenties now. And he, and he's telling me, I used to be friends with his brother and he's telling me, how pumped he is for this new business uh, scheme he has, right? And he would meet his business partners in, in uh, the Hard Rock Casino. He would go and gamble and he'd meet people to do business with. And he was so pumped about this. Here's how it was going to work. He was going to mail out uh, $20 checks to people. They were going to think it's a $20 check. 
And when they deposit it, it's going to take $40 out of their bank account. It's going to deposit the 20 and take 40 out. Now, of course, that's not even possible, but he, he was uh, not the, 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 the brightest, the brightest, the brightest uh, bulb in, in the shed. And, and so, uh, but, but he thought that's how it was going to work. And he was legitimately excited for it. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? What is actually wrong with you? So there are, there are all those people out there again. Yeah. Uh, it comes down to money, right? Uh, I actually worked with one of them. So I started my gym with a guy like that. Yeah, yeah, it's and wild, just, right? There's something just, wrong. Like, well, it's actually just something wrong with these people. I always think there, there's two types. There's, like, nefarious people that are looking to screw people over. And then I think that there is a greater amount of people that are just lazy. And it's easier just to steal. Like, I mean, did these guys nefariously start out to, to see people? Probably not. But then they got into it, and it was easier just to send a whole bunch of vitamin C over thinking that you were full of shit like them yeah. and then people not caring. And then they just get to a point where like, you know, like why did you steal or how did this work? Well, I was just uh, lazy. Like I, you know, didn't cash a check and then I cash a check or I said this and it's like, we've run into this over and over again. Like there's nefarious people and then there's people that just steal out of fucking laziness. Is there like a, yeah. like, so do you, as a, as a distributor of supplements is, do you, do you tell your peers about this experience? Like, I'm not asking you to name names or anything on the show, but like, what do you do after? Like, you just know that's not your guy, or do you warn people about it in like that that are your friends in the space, or what do you got to do? Uh, with in, in the case of the manufacturer, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, in I didn't have, I, I didn't. I guess I not in that case because it 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 never came up. Um, but but I certainly would if that were if it were relevant. I'd have absolutely I would. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not even very well networked in, especially in the supplement space, not barely, barely at all. I have a couple of friends in one case, uh, he sold his company already. So he doesn't like, yeah, I'm a competitor, but he doesn't care. Like he, <laughs> he's just on board now collecting a check. Like it's not his company anymore. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not very well networked at all. I, I have met met more people through my podcast. That's the primary way I've met people because otherwise I kind of just sit in my cave and grind away and I don't put time into developing relationships. And maybe I, at least I don't put much time into it. Um, and it's, it's really just an opportunity cost with it. Again, it's, it's looking at what's the highest and best use of my time. What are my strategic goals that I'm trying to achieve over the next three to five years? And, uh, if I put my time over in these things, I know, at least I, I have a, a lot of confidence that those are going to contribute greatly. Whereas if there's a lot of other activities that are just, I don't know, they're, they're nebulous. And so I, I try to stay away from that stuff as much as I can, as much as I can. And especially if I'm not willing to do favors for other people, I'm not going to ask for favors. I'm just not. And so there are a lot of people in this, in the fitness space who are popular and who maybe could uh, help me grow my stuff faster, but I often don't like what they're doing. And that's not, that's not the case always. And that's not me pretending like, uh, I'm the only one doing anything worth paying attention to. Not at all. But in a lot of cases in the fitness space, if someone is very popular, um, chances are I'm not going to agree with, uh, advice they're giving or, uh, even, even just fake natty, like that alone is just a turnoff to me. I don't, uh, there are people in the, in the space who actually, I, I do like their educational material. I think they do put out good stuff, but just the fact that they lie about their steroid use just turns me off. And 
I wouldn't want to send people their way because I don't agree with that. And so if I'm not going to do anything for them, then why, you know, why try to, uh, what, how am I, what, I would try to like be fake and flatter them into doing right. things for me. So, so I just, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have too many people that, in the space I even talk to on a regular basis that, that much. Um, but, but to, to the, to the question about the, supplements are just supplementary and why are people so into it? Of course, it's magic bullet, right? It's that, uh, that's how I think, uh, that's why I got into supplements, taking supplements uh, back in the day. Of course, we all wanted the magic bullet and um, how I've gone about uh, pitching it and framing supplements is, I mean, I say these things like supplements are supplementary uh, by definition. You actually don't need any of these things. Like if you poke around on Legion's website, you will find me saying that you'll find it written and in, in, on the blog. And if we're ever talking about supplements, I'm letting people know that you don't need any of these things just so you know. And yes, this is, this is a supplement company, but if you want to give me money and you don't care about supplements, then you can buy a book. I have a book and it gives me a little bit of money. If you like my stuff and you care, you know what I mean? But, um, you don't need supplements. You need to make sure like, uh, just the fundamentals need to be there. You need to know, you need to know what you're doing with your diet. And that again, energy balance, macronutrient balance, micronutrient balance. The rest is pretty negotiable. Uh, if you really wanted to optimize as much as possible, you could care about a few other things, uh, but those are the main things. Training, uh, sleep is a big thing that I talk about that a lot of people neglect. And especially as they get older, they think that they need less sleep. Uh, there's just that, that's one of those, those, just, 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 just little proverbs that people accept like, Oh, as you get older, you just don't need as much sleep. And yeah. Okay, fine. If you compare yourself to my three-year-old daughter, like, yeah, she needs more sleep than, than I do. But it's of course wrong to think that I'm 36. Uh, I can, I can get away on, I can get away with six hours of sleep now. Who cares? And, you know, ironically, years ago, I would sleep probably on average six, six and a half hours, but it was a very, I was a very efficient sleeper. And that was, I wouldn't wake up to an alarm. Like I would fall asleep in five minutes, blackout, unconscious sleep, wake up six and a half hours or so later. And that was it. That was my normal. But as I've gotten older, I'm a lighter sleeper. I don't sleep through the night anymore, period, under any circumstances. I'm going to wake up at that's least once. That's from kids, man. That's a, that's yeah, a total yeah. genetic uh, evolutionary deal that as soon as you have kids, like... Yep. Uh, that's when it kicked in. Yeah. Uh, like I joke that like ants could be fighting and my wife will wake up. Like, I mean, there's this weird (laughs) thing where you're like, you never fall really asleep unless you're in a hotel away from your family. But if there's kids in the house, like just, it's something within like the evolutionary biology, you like sleep in this really interesting state. And I, I run into it too. Like I can hear my son, uh, like if the door opens and like, I hear his white noise get louder, like instantly I'm up. And yep. it's like, I, I was the same thing. Like I used to joke, I like got hit with like a ninja blow dart and be like, and I would be out and like, didn't wake up the minute I had kids, all of a sudden that all changed. It's the weirdest thing. It's evolutionary. Oh, yep. Same, same, same experience. And of course that many other people have the same experience. And, and I think you're absolutely right about why that is. Um, and, you know, I actually, what has helped for me, one thing that has helped a little bit is earplugs and they're not, they're not intense earplugs. They just, they just dulling the noise a little bit. Um, so like if my dog were barking, it would still wake me up and I'm, I'm not, I'm not just, uh, you know, completely disconnected from, from, from reality. Um, but that, that, that has helped. And, um, anyway, so that, so sleep, super important, something that a lot of people neglect. And again, that's a point of priority, right? For most people, that means 
watching less TV or watching no TV uh, because that's often what people are doing later at night and they're not going to bed when they should be going to bed and blah, blah, blah. Uh, or maybe they are going to bed at a decent time. Let's say they are trying to be in bed for seven and a half, eight hours, but because they've just watched two hours of TV and blasted themselves with blue light, they're, they have trouble falling asleep or they uh, maybe wake up more than they should at night or just don't wake up rested. Um, so, so those things and, and some other things, right, form the real foundation of fitness, don't need supplements. However, and this is, this is how I pitch it. However, if you have the budget and the inclination, there are some natural safe ingredients that you, there are, there are some things you can take to gain muscle and strength faster. They're not going to make a huge difference, but let's say creatine, uh, citrulline and beta alanine, just start there. If you're taking those every day, you're probably going to notice a little difference in your training and those small improvements compounded over time uh, might be something that is at least not nothing right and if you don't and if you have the budget and inclination you understand that these are these are safe ingredients they're well studied and you have no adverse reactions to them like some people they just don't don't do well with creatine it just it just messes up their stomach they just can't take it okay fine whatever right um, and the same thing goes with fat loss there's not much there is not much and it's not going to make a huge difference however if you are cutting and you don't mind spending a little bit of money and you trust uh, me and you trust, I mean, again, we do work with third-party organizations. So you trust LabDoor's verification of what's in the product and doesn't contain any wacky things, then you will lose fat a little bit faster. Um, and where supplementation I think is actually strongest is in the realm of health, because there's just a lot more you actually can take to improve health. And I could say probably vitality and, and, um, well, yeah, I'd say probably health and vitality there. You have a lot more you can do there. And, and that's reflected in our lineup. We actually have a lot more products related to just general health than we do performance. We don't have, we have one pre-workout. We don't have seven. We have one post-workout, -work which is a creatine supplement fundamentally with a couple of other things thrown into it. We have two fat burners, but really the second fat burner is just yohimbine really is what it is. And yohimbine is, I think it's a great molecule. Um, it has good research, has good evidence for effectiveness, and it's pretty unique in how it works, but we didn't want to include it in the, in the other fat burner because you have to dose it correctly. It's, it's a, you don't, it's a, it's a supplement you don't want to overdose on because it can get, it can create anxiety and it, it, people get really jittery. And if you take too much, I mean, you, you might think you're having a panic attack and some people don't respond well to Yohimbi. And we explained this on the page. That's why it made sense to have that as a separate product. And we combined it with HMB and CDP choline for a couple of reasons, um, mostly related to fasted training, because you have to be in a fasted state for Yohimbi to work. And fasted training, of course, is not you don't need to do it otherwise. It's not going to help you lose fat faster otherwise. However, if you want to use your himbine and get the fat burning benefits, you have to be, you have to have your insulin levels basically at a baseline level, right? Um, so we only have a few products that are directly related to performance and, and body composition. Most of our stuff is health like uh, fish oil. Yeah. It's not sexy, but unless you're eating several servings of fatty fish per week, you're not getting enough omega threes, even if, I mean, maybe you're getting enough if you, if you're getting enough ALA and you're getting enough for basic health, but if you want to get upward of, let's say five or six grams of combined EPA DHA a day, which is what you'd want to do. For example, if you want to reduce inflammation in your joints, there's good evidence that EPA and DHA can do that, but you have to take enough. You're not going to get there through plant-based 
uh, omega threes. You're not. You're, you or I mean, I don't know how much flax oil can you drink a day? I guess let's see. That's a challenge. Um, and uh, so, so we have you know joint supplement, sleep supplement, green supplement, and so that's also part of I think what's a little bit unique about us is we we're very uh, yes we acknowledge that. Uh, like I'd said earlier, a big reason we're into this is to look, to look the way we want to look and to feel strong in the gym. And, and that's, that's cool. But there's also the matter of, of health and wellness and longevity and vitality. And so, um, our crowd is also interested in those types of products, uh, probably more than your average, uh, supplement, uh, sports nutrition company, um, in, in terms of the, the, um, their their core customer base, you know. I guess you totally get it, and I'm, I just came up or realized something. So over the past fifteen years, you've kind of honed in on this fitness, this in this fitness industry, and you know you you spoke earlier about your influences and things that helped guide you in there. How did you manage to steer clear of the the suck zone of CrossFit? Um, that's, that's funny. Uh, I had written an article about CrossFit back when it was, it was, it was ascendant. And I, I, I have updated that article. I think I updated about six months ago and not much has changed. There, there's some more research that has been done on it. So I was able to, to clean it up and, and um, add, add a bit more perspective. But at the time, I was like, this is, this is pretty dumb. Like I like, I like that it's introducing people to barbell training. And if you have a good coach, then it can work. Um, but in a lot of cases you have coaches who don't know what they're doing. They did some short little training thing. And essentially what I was seeing uh, firsthand from people reaching out to me is people doing it and doing all kinds of wacky programming and wacky workouts and, and then getting hurt and then not doing it. And, um, so that was, that was, that was my initial take on it. And I'm, I'm thankful that it has introduced a lot of people to barbell training. It has definitely, I think it's a net positive for sure. Um, but, and I don't know so much the, the, where, where it's at in terms of the state of your average coach and your average CrossFit box. I don't know exactly at this point, uh, where that's at, but I'm assuming it, it probably has gotten better. It probably has had to, to, to get better. Just, just the market has demanded better. I'm sure in terms again, of like at least responsible programming, let's just start there where you're not taking people who are completely unfit and then having them like do sprints and superset sprints and heavy deadlifts. Like, yeah, like that's a good idea um, for anyone ever, let alone somebody who's brand new to weightlifting. And so I just didn't, I just kind of left it at that. And, you know, I've, I've, I've skipped, I've skipped the keto trend altogether. And that I just say is, is dumb period. Like that, that diet is just dumb. I'd say the only reason to do it maybe is if you like it, but you're not going to like it. Nobody likes it. Uh, and that's about it. Otherwise why bother? Um, and now if I just wanted to make money, then I wouldn't have done those things. I would have, of course, just went and started paying CrossFit influencers to, to promote Legion. And I would have probably, uh, I would have just found what's the silver lining here and talk about what's good about it and just downplay or ignore what's bad about it. And same thing with keto, right? I could have easily created a keto cookbook. Like that's just, you don't even, that's a project that 
I wouldn't even have had to have worked on. I could have yeah, just paid, paid blended people. chicken. Boom. They're done. Uh, like, That's dessert. That's dessert. So, so what you're seeing in this whole deal is uh, the supplement in the training industry is so cyclic, uh, yeah. cyclical. Yep. Cyclical. Cyclical. Got it. Um, like years ago when uh, we were out in Costa Mesa, where, uh, where are you based out of? I'm in uh, Virginia. Okay, you're in Virginia. So we were based out in California, and um, Callie, who works, uh, still works for us, but at the time she was in the office, she got like all these old bodybuilding magazines. She like got some like lot that she bought off of eBay for ten bucks, and it showed up with all these magazines from the '30s, '40s, and '50s. So we started going through it. It was the same. They were talking progressive overload. They were talking about carb cycling. They were talking about uh, you know eating uh, you know X amount of protein and you know lean meats and this. I mean uh, Vince Garanda's uh, you yep. know Stone Age diet. I mean like this. I mean like nothing has changed. And the thing is, is I remember. Um, so I, I got first introduced to something keto esque by uh, Mauro De Pasquale with the uh, metabolic diet. And uh, Mauro was kind of the father of carb cycling. And he, coined, you know, he kind of used the ketogenic diet as into a carb cycling deal. And then all of a sudden it kind of went away and then it came back. And it seems like uh, every so often, man, like all of a sudden this stuff ramps up and we get into a new situation. I mean, you said it, right? It's, it's, it's uh, easier to just take the the path of least resistance. And from a marketing perspective, that's just copy and paste things that people were once doing that worked. And if enough time has gone on where now you're speaking to what's really a, a new generation of lifters, uh, they, they didn't hear about that. Whereas if, if, if when you see it, you're like, uh, I mean, depending on when you were first introduced it, you might be like, what? here we go again. Just, well, it's, yeah, here we go again. It's like fasting. I curb stomp fasting in 2010 uh, when I looked at the research and was like, yeah, fasting's a fun way to get into caloric restriction. There's yep. no magic associated with it. Yep. Or, or, yeah. or if you just like skipping breakfast. Okay, yeah. skip and, breakfast. And, and that was Martin Bergstrom's lean gains and he tried to yep. write all that shit. And like, it looked like fancy caloric restriction when you took the same amount of people and you spread out the, I mean, and then all and we of a know sudden, that now there, we know it, but, there's, there's good research on it. We knew that in 2010 and then all of a sudden it went away and then it came back and I listened to all these fucking people talking about this magic and this and yeah. it raises this and it does grow hormone. Fung. What's and, it? Uh, Jason Fung? Uh, dude. Uh, yeah. The um, insulin paradox. Was that him? Yeah. Uh, yeah I, he had uh, the, uh, I'd have to pull up. I, I, I can see the cover. Yeah. Uh, I read <laughs> that. On, on Amazon. I always yeah, come he, across he, it. But. He was the big, uh, was um, it obesity code? I think was his first. He was big the one? guy who was, uh, it's not your fault. It's insulin's fault. Like, right. uh, you know, if you can just, you know, and uh, there's some, like all this stuff is kind of directionally accurate, but for the most part, it's like, fuck dude, as Americans, we overeat. And yep. it's like if uh, and underwork, yeah, and we underwork and like and you know even if you think that you're hitting, you know, it just doesn't work. But yeah, man, the uh, the fasting one blew my fucking mind, and then all of a sudden it came back out, and I was like, man, we got to fight these demons again. Let's fucking battle these demons. And then all of a sudden you get all this uh, uh, like and and I, I always say, dude, you know things jump the shark when people that know nothing start bringing magic into it. Like you remember the paleo diet? That was my favorite. It was uh, I've always eaten kind of similar to that, but then all of a yep. sudden people are attaching you know uh, magic to it, and then insulin and fasting. Is it literally, and literally like mythology. Well, it, I, it, it, it's like and then and they they even spell it like that. They're like and then magic happens. In your body, <laughs> and your body magically does this, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! Like, I can't fucking, I can't uh, deal with this. And then, and then the people that are talking about this this way uh, have zero. Like, oh, I was a realtor last week, but this week I'm, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm teaching fucking keto paleo courses because I heard about it once, and I'm like, dude, well, this well, is. I'm a magician now. I'm actually. The, <laughs> well, uh, it, I'm a metabolic 
magician. <laughs> oh, whoa. It, uh, that's, we should trademark that one. That's a good one. It's, it's fucking like, it blows my mind that these things run so secular. Like um, uh, Ken Ford, who's the head of the Institute of Human and Machine Cognition. We had him on our podcast. I've done his, and he has a DARPA-funded research group out of uh, Florida that they do, you know, things like, uh, you know, robots for space. And yeah, yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's been on a ketogenic diet since he's probably in his... Late 60s, early 70s. He's been on a ketogenic, ketogenic diet since he was 11 because he had seizures. And it's the way that they managed yep. his seizures. And that, of course, is that's that's where it came from. Yeah. So. And so he, he's done it. And he's like, yeah, this has worked great for me. And this is what yep. I think the model of health is. But it's how I manage my seizures. Like, would I have found it if I didn't have seizures at the point where I was 11 years old and they were basically whacking me on Thorazine? No. He's like, but this has worked for me. So it, yep. it's pretty amazing. And people are like, oh, this, have you heard of this brand new diet, the ketogenic diet? I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, the fucking literature, I mean, we had the guy um, from the Charlie Foundation. Jim Abrams. Jim Abrams, uh, you know, who's the producer and the director for... And writer. Uh, well, and writer for The Naked Gun and all the airplane movies. Okay. And so we, we had him on. We're talking about the Charlie Foundation, ketogenic. He, he, he put this foundation together because they were going to do a frontal lobotomy on his kid, and he found ketogenic diet fixed it. So we had him on. Wow. And as we're getting into this, all of a sudden we figure out that he's the writer, director, and producer for the best movies I've ever seen from like The Naked Gun with Leslie Nielsen and Airplane. And at that point, we just went in that direction. But it's this secular thing. I mean, T Nation does this. Like they go back like five, six, seven, eight years and they just recycle articles and push them back out and they're still relevant. So like with that being the case, uh, like, do you have to be cutting edge or do you just have to have a consistent set of principles that you're built upon where it's, you know, good core values, good products, you know, good marketing, make sure the supply chains are good and then just service the customer. Or do you always feel like you have to be on the cutting edge? You know, when I hear music like this, I can't help but think about every cheesy 80s action movie ever. There's just something so great about how clearly fake every fight scene and workout montage is. And what's funny is the approach of creating sexy cut-ups of bullshit workouts with highly questionable application actually exists outside 80s movies and is more prevalent than ever. Well, like terrible 80s movies, there's so much training garbage out there to sort through these days. And while entertaining, it's scary to think that some people are actually falling for it. Think of the pyrotechnics in Commando or the -the over-the-top use of body oil in the movie Over the Top. Is it possible that they're trying to distract us from the completely unrealistic plotline? Kind of like a sexy-looking program with virtually no performance transfer? This is exactly why Power Athlete has been battling the bullshit for over a decade. The research, testing, and retesting that the coaches at Power Athlete HQ have done to create athletic training programs like Field Strong and Bedrock is unparalleled. We chose to further refine our templates to create Grindstone, Jack Street, Lean Enable, and Hammer because we know that specific goals require specific stimuli. Okay, here's where the shameless plug comes in. A lot of work goes into developing the absolute best program and user experience possible. Just ask our partners at Train Heroic, who have been with us every step of the way and are equally dedicated to empowering your performance as we are. They are relentless when it comes to ensuring that your journey to self-improvement is propelled by the absolute best technology. 
When you join a power athlete program on Train Heroic, the first thing you should do is take a giant sigh of relief. Seriously, because now you're in the hands of founder and 10-year NFL veteran John Wellborn and his team of world-class coaches. And for less than a dollar a day, you've just become part of a community of like-minded folks who all want the same thing, performance. And if this whole 80s movie metaphor thing makes no sense to you because you were born after 1990, simply substitute Star Wars Episodes 1 through 3. Who has the time or the patience for an all-show, no-go imposter program? Head to PowerAthleteHQ.com backslash training to empower your performance today. Now back to the show. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so uh, as far as as far as the marketing goes, again, if I were just driven, if I were purely mercenary, I would have done it differently, right? I, I would have I would have made more money by now by doing it the way that most people or many people in the space are doing it. I would have. Now I would not have built as strong of a business and a brand, but uh, I would I would have more money. <laughs> and, and I know I know some examples. I know one company, I won't name them. Um, I'm not sure on their revenue. I'm pretty sure it's nine figures a year, uh, over a hundred million dollars a year in revenue. And so a lot of their products are a joke. And this is this this got me. I just learned this recently. They make a shitload of money by flipping their customers to shady financial info products. Because of the demographic, they have an older demographic, and they've partnered with another company. I won't name that is a huge publishing company that creates all kinds of wacky bullshit um, product financial related. Like you're going to learn the inside secrets of, of stonks and um, you know, this is the, this is, this is the Trump's next big, uh, big, big move. And here's how you can, you can get in early, blah, 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 all that shit. Right. And so they, they make a lot of money um, just burning their list. They don't care burning their customers because they've established a big enough top of funnel that they're just like, fuck it, dude, it's grist for the grist for the Lambo mill, whatever, just run these people through it. And, and I mean, they make tens of millions of dollars a year just on that back end scam. Right. Um, which I, when I was like, wow, that, that's, that's impressive. That, that really is impressive. And so you use the, the ridiculous marketing on the front end, bring them in, sell them BS products until they're sick of your BS products. And then you, you sell them BS financial products and then they never want to hear from you again eventually. And that's the end of it. Rinse, repeat. Right. And so from a marketing perspective, I've tried to straddle, I guess, I guess both sides of this where um, the, the, the truth and the science is not sexy. It's not inherently sexy. And that's a lot of what we're talking about is, is things that have sex appeal, things that actually are like paleo was brilliant marketing. It really was. It was a, a really smart combination of magic bullet and history and science, which people defer to. I mean, science is, is a religion now unto itself. And you know, if you, can, can, if you can just convince somebody that something has science or history on its side, or they're going to they're gonna probably believe you. And if you can convince them that it has both, oh, how could it be wrong, right? And so Paleo was very smart marketing. And I don't know if I forgot his name, Lauren, or whatever. I don't know uh, Lauren, who's the guy. I don't, the original Lauren, guy. Uh, Cordain. Lauren Cordain. Yeah, uh, right. Well, marketer and um, I really but, but he stumbled. I mean, I guess yeah. a broken clock is right twice a day, right? He stumbled, he stumbled into that, and and I don't think he realized. Like, I don't think he sat down and 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 planned it out like science 
I'm going to, I'm going to come up with pseudoscience, fake history, mythology. He's a, uh, he's a PhD in exercise phys. He's not a, he's not a, a, a chemist or, you know, a organic chemist or, you know, like his deal, or I mean, not even a PhD in nutrition. He's, he's an exercise phys. And if his original work in the book was based off of a lot of observation as you know, observation yep. isn't necessarily science, it's social science. So, right. um, it's, I mean, it's, it's low, it's low, uh, low quality evidence. Yeah. I mean, it's evidence, right. But it's low quality. Um, so I, that, uh, I've, I've tried to be a good marketer, but also be ethical. Right. And so that means that I, I, I stay away from a lot of the buzzwords. I don't want my stuff to smack of bullshit and then try to convince people it's not bullshit. But at the same time, I am trying to be a good salesperson. I am trying to be a good marketer. So um, let's just start with, with benefits. Okay, if you're going to sell something, especially a supplement, you do have to make clear claims as to benefits. Or, or why are they? But people are not buying. There are no features of supplements that people care about. They care about what when I put this into my face, what happens next? Do I care about that? Yes or no, right? And so... Um, it has in the end, I would say again, it, if Legion might be a bigger company and almost certainly would be a bigger company, uh, if I would not have done that. And if I would have been more nefarious about it, right. And I would have, I would have said, I don't care about the ethics, uh, of this, what find random justification, who cares? Let's just start with, uh, what, what, what are the favorites? It is, uh, the ends justify the means. Let's figure out some way I can spin that to, to justify this. And maybe like the noble lie, like, yeah, I'm going to lie to people, but in the end, I'm going to get them to do things that are good for them. So whatever, it's not a big deal. Okay, good. I'm sold. Now, how, how am I going to, how am I going to get those stacks? You know what I mean? How am I going to get my bag? Um, so I, Legion would be bigger if I would have done that, but I just don't agree with that individually. Like I, I, I just, that's not me. So, um, I've, and, and, and I, I guess anybody who, if you go and check out Legion and you go look at products and pitches and you poke around on the website, uh, I, I've, I've at least tried to, to really embody what I'm talking about, which is, yes, I'm trying to sell supplements, but I also am trying to help people get into good shape, actually understand how all of this stuff works, including that supplementation is not vital. And in a funny way, even you could say that is oh, is it, somebody who's very cynical might say, well, that's, that's just clever marketing, right? Because uh, that, that's a, an old persuasion tactic is admitting a fault, right? And it, it brings people's guards down. So by saying, well, you don't need any of my stuff, but you know, the, it is good marketing, but it's also true. I mean, it, it, it is true, right? And so that's the way I've gone about it. And in the end, it, if I look at, I'm not a very, I'm not a very money motivated person, Yes, I, I like making money and I have a family and I like to be able to provide and financial security and I hope to achieve like true financial independence at some point, which would be my definition would be where your money makes enough money to cover your lifestyle, where you don't have to work for money. Not that I want to retire, but, but that would be financial independence. Those things matter to me, but um, my conscience matters to me as well because I've seen firsthand people, I've seen, I've known uh Quite a few met quite a few successful business people over the years. Some of them great great people uh, who did do it in, in a way that I respect, and many of them not just just bad people. And yeah, in one guy, his peak his business was doing three to four hundred million dollars a year, 
And from the outside looking in, you'd, you'd think his life was amazing. No, that guy was scum. And, he would, and I would never want to be in his position. I would, I would, if I woke up him, if I had an option, okay, I have to die and I, right now and I can just see what comes next. What happened next? What happens next? Or I can wake up and I have to live as that guy. I'll fucking die. I'll just, I'll take, I'll take my chances in the afterlife. We'll see. We'll see what happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so no, I, I've, I've met some morally bankrupt people um, and just like uh, and some very successful people where you think like uh, I would rather fucking stand out on the curb and panhandle than live your billionaire uh, life. I mean, just like, uh, fuck, I, I can think of two Epstein. individuals. Well, uh, uh, dude, <laughs> how about all of him and all of his buddies? Well, I mean, uh, where I mean, for all the money he made to end up dead in a, you know, in a in a max prison in New York and. I mean, dude, just there's a lot of, I mean, as you said, man, it's a, a wretched, it's a wretched, yeah, there are, there are wretched, wretched people out there who, who, who make a lot of money um, and, and their lives are, are extremely chaotic. And I've seen this firsthand. So my conclusion, one of my conclusions, well, it wasn't my idea, of course, this is like, this goes all the way back to the ancient virtues, right? Uh, is that and you had said this earlier, you get there incrementally. Most people, they don't just wake up uh, excited to lie, cheat, and steal, and fuck kids, and uh, uh, wallow them in, in wallow in drugs and alcohol and whatever, right? They get there incrementally. And I think that it's that proverbial slip, slippery soap slope that gets very slippery very quickly when you're willing to start cheating a little bit and then for whatever reason, from what I've seen is it's just never enough. Then there needs to be a little bit more and a little bit more. And you can hit this exponential growth curve of, of uh, just degeneracy that then it, it, it becomes not just a problem in your business. Now it's a problem in every other aspect of your life. And I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. So I'm just like, yeah, again, I'd rather I'd rather die right now and see what happens than become that. So I'm just gonna to 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 par to quote um well paraphrase John Rockefeller Senior, uh, he he was he didn't drink alcohol and his little quip was basically like he could he couldn't become an alcoholic if he never took the first drink basically, and so I think there's some wisdom in that in 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 many areas of life where if you are willing to have some forethought and apply some discipline now, it can save you a lot of pain and suffering later. I wonder where the incremental, like as you were talking about Epstein and those guys, like I wonder where the incremental on that is. Like uh, I, I his, dad, like, his dad uh, raping him at five. Oh. I'd guess it probably starts there. Well, it's, it's like, um, yeah, but I mean, the thing, in, and people realize this, is just because something happens to you, you don't have to continue the cycle. Oh, I agree. And, I agree. Uh, you know, so like it's, but what's fucking blows my mind, and I've seen this for so many years, is I think that there, there are hard stops. There's things where you're like, no, like that one, like, you know, like you never hear anybody be like, best thing I ever did was black tar heroin. God, <laughs> I, 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 you know, when I look back, I think that was the best moment of my life. Like, uh, you know, like these guys are sex trafficking this, like, uh, like to even get to that point, you just have to have a value of no life. And, and it's yes. just like, like morally bankrupt and weird, but man, like, um, and I think what's hard is when you live a pretty good life or you, you know, live one that you're you know fairly proud of, it's hard to even fucking put your mind in that. And you're like, I can't even, I can't even put yep. a, like any empathy for something. Like, I'm just going to throw you in the wood chipper. 
Like, yeah. and, and I think that's a that's an interesting. And that, that's probably what should happen with pedophiles. Yeah. And that, that's not that's not even coming from a place of personal outrage. That's like in terms of maintaining a functional society. You just you can't have that. You well, just can't and, have it. And the, the yeah. penalty needs to be so severe that somebody who has that impulse, obviously, this is a strong impulse. Uh, it must be for them to want to to go to the lengths that they will go to to act on it. So the stronger the impulse, uh, it's really a destructive impulse, the harsher the penalty, the, the harsher the, the potential penalty needs to be. So in the moment, they're like, am I going to kidnap and fuck this kid or am I not going to? And if there's any thought, <laughs> yeah, and that's it, right? And maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe not yet. Or, or, or they, uh, they, they, there needs to be public executions. Maybe we need to bring that back. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, we, we might at some point in the near future, you know, degrade into something <laughs> where it looks like Escape from L.A. Where, mm-hmm. or Escape from New York or something. I, uh, it's Russell. funny. I was looking at just... Uh, that's literally what's happening right now. Escape well, yeah, from L.A. Was, and Escape from seeing, New York. Yeah, I was just seeing this in like a, like the stuff that's happening in Wisconsin. I mean, like I'm just like tripping out and like... Uh, um, but yeah, man, we are in interesting times. We're living through history. That's for yeah, sure. Mike, I got couple quick questions to highlight your podcast and one includes wormholes so to pull us out of this one and get into another one i'm curious what has been your favorite thread of interest that's led you down a wormhole an example that we have recently for our listeners deep diving into understanding the foot and the connection to the central nervous system so we'd have a series of experts on to really help empower our understanding selfishly and then give it to our listeners. Well, what about Vision Quest? And also recently, Vision Quest, we talked about it on the show as a joke. And then now we're getting Matthew Modine, the star of the show, to <laughs> be a guest on the show. Yeah. Those are a couple examples. I'm just curious, man. You've, you've been doing this for so long and so many episodes and are kicking ass with it. Has there been some examples of some fun threads that we can reference for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, the most recent has been uh, the, the episodes haven't actually gone up yet because I'm gearing up to release. Um, uh, it's a second edition, really just rewritten from scratch of, of my book for experienced weightlifters. It's called Beyond Bigger, Leaner, Stronger. So I wrote a first edition some time ago, which was good. I would say it's probably the best I could do at that time. But um, I know more now and I'm a better writer now. And so I just rewrote it from scratch, basically, and changed the programming. But it was the programming in particular that was fun to um, just because, and I had talked about this this earlier, that there there's... The, the research, thanks to guys like Schoenfeld and others, ha, has advanced quite a bit in terms of what is optimal programming and really what is the relationship between, let's say, uh, volume, frequency, and a progressive overload and how you can use volume and frequency to drive progressive overload. And um, so it was fun to, to, to dive into that. And I, you know, I have to give credit to, for instance, the guys over at... Um, over at Mass, the research review, Greg Knuckles, uh, Mike Zordos, Eric Helms, good guys, good work. And they do a great job making all of that research very accessible. Uh, I've also always liked Lyle McDonald's work. And I always liked, I always thought he was a hilarious guy. Uh, some people find his person, he's an acquired taste. Let's put it that way, right? Um, uh, but no, I've had a, a- He's a dick. 
he can he can be a dick. But yeah, very but, prickly, very prickly individual. But but check this out as a quick law McDonald's first, right? So I've had him on my podcast a couple of times. Super good discussions, right? Nice guy, nice to me, no problems whatsoever. And um, I, I had a third edition of my book for women, thinner, leaner, stronger, uh, that was coming out, and I had asked if he wanted to check it out and provide a blurb if he liked it, right? And so. Uh, his response was basically "fuck you, fuck off." This is fucking bullshit. And this the book he had looked at the the table of contents, and it was similar to the men's book because what happened is I wrote the men's book first. A lot of women were reading it, asking me if they could do it, and I was like, I had a long copy paste that I would link them to articles because I was like, yes. But not everything in here, like the programming, for example, we're going to want to do it a little bit differently for you. And here's what I would do. Eventually, it became clear I should just write a book for women, take all the information in there that I can make it as female specific and centric as possible, change the programming, et cetera. And so that's why the table of contents, they, they were mirrors of each other. The content though, there's a lot of, there's a lot of differences. It's just the table of contents. It looks very similar. And so he was like, this is bullshit. This is just, a, you just copy and paste the same book. And I, and, and I, I don't take that stuff personally. So I, I replied, I was like, oh yeah, I know. I know it looks that way, but uh, it's actually, I, I explained briefly this never heard back. Right. I was like, all right, Lyle being Lyle. So then like six months later, I reach out to him um, to ask if he wants to do a podcast on something in particular that he had written about that I liked. And it was as if that never happened. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Sounds good. Have him on the podcast uh, again, back to being completely nice. And, and so I don't know, I don't know what's going on over there, but I've, I've always liked, I've always liked his work. I think in several ways he's been, uh, a bit of, he's been ahead of the curve, like on volume, for example, Lyle's been saying for a long time, 10 to 20 hard sets per major muscle group per week. There you go. Like 10, if you're a newbie, 20, if you're advanced, it, it, go beyond that, you're just going to get hurt anyway. So do it if you feel like it. But you, if you're like the average person who just wants to get jacked and you, you're, you're, you're going to do it naturally, you do not need to ever do more than 20 sets for uh, hard sets for any muscle group in, in a given week, uh, regardless of, of frequency and what you're doing, right? So he's been saying that for a long time. And now there's a lot of research, like James Krieger did the most uh, in-depth, uh, really it's, it was like a, a, a review, an informal kind of review slash meta-analysis of all the, the research on volume out there. He produced, he might've called it like the volume Bible or something, but it was a lot, a lot. It was just all about the, the research on volume and its relation to muscle growth. And that, was the conclusion. Actually, that was the conclusion based on our current weight of the evidence. And while Lyle's been saying that for at least a decade. Right. Um, and so anyways, uh, I, I, uh, have, I enjoyed that a lot and updating the programming and running the programming myself. And cause I'm, I guess by my nature, a pretty practical person, um, abstract things and theory is fine. And, and, you know, I've always enjoyed history, for example, and that's something I've enjoyed that uh, there, there actually, I think there is definitely a practical element to it, but I've also have enjoyed just maybe the abstract of it and just kind of, I don't know, reading about people and times and whatever. But as far as my interests and in fitness go, they're very much, they're more utilitarian. Like I'm looking for things that I can do stuff with and um, that can help me in my training or um, help maybe optimize my, my diet or nutrition a little bit more. And, and then of course I can share that with others. So, so that, that particular point though, on the programming of um, <clears throat> how much volume should be doing for, for each major muscle group, 
how should intensities change for an intermediate or advanced weightlifter? You don't have to get fancy with periodization. If you're new, obviously you can just follow something very simple, like linear or just double progression. And that'll work real well for a while until, you know, it, it doesn't work so well anymore. Uh, you can just auto-regulate basically. So, um, but now you're intermediate, you're advanced. And what do you do now? How, how do you make sure that there's progressive overload baked into your program? Because again, if you just leave it up to how you feel in the gym, um, what weight you're going to put on the bar, uh, maybe that you have set, but like how many reps are you going for? Well, you're going to go for as many as you can do. You're going to try to end with one or two reps in reserve. It gets harder. I mean, as you guys know, that gets harder to do consistently and accurately when the weights get heavy. And when little things like maybe not sleeping enough the night before just have a bigger impact in the gym. And so, uh, in, in the program, in this book for advanced, I mean, obviously it's, it's skewed towards men given the title, but there's a lot in there for women. I'd say the programming is going to have to change when I do a female version, but there's a lot of other things that still would work well that, that women could take and roll with right away. Um, is, uh, is combining those, those puzzle pieces into a puzzle that isn't shit, that looks like something that works, you know what I mean? And that isn't overly complicated either, because there are, uh, like there are uh, some good programs out there that turn, I know from firsthand hearing from people that the, the programming, getting to something you can do requires a lot of tinkering in Excel and there are different ways you can mess it up. And it's just too complex for even people who are into this stuff and they just don't know, like, did I do that right? Uh, is this how this is supposed to work? And so trying to also uh, just focus on what are the few key things that are going to drive the majority of the results and let's leave everything else out. Let's not make this fancier than it needs to be for the sake of marketing, for example. Um, so that's, that's something that just recently in those episodes will be, uh, we're, we're going to start the official launch of the book, I think on October 5th. So they're, they're coming about a month away or so. Awesome. awesome. I got one final question for you and it's a quick one. You, you mentioned in that, that last take there, and we can tell by all the books behind you, including the dictionary that you'd like to break a mental I like sweat. The 007 with the, uh, what looks <laughs> like a, a Aston Martin DB seven. That's, that's just uh, cause you know, he represents the patriarchy. So oh, ah, I'm, to... I'm a huge 007 fan. I mean, you not be? <laughs> good, good movies. Just, just a great yeah. IP. Just a, uh, a, 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 anything that has Aston Martins in them. I'm always an Aston Martin fan. I love those original ones. So yeah, now I'm a huge, yeah. I mean, how can you not like, uh, uh, 007. This, although I guess I guess they're getting rid of them, right? At the end of this next, uh, uh, well, you know, that's that's what they're teasing. That's what they're teasing. <sighs> like here's the deal, man. Like um, uh, I don't think you can tear down every kingdom, and the idea of the social justice warriors that they got to tear down. It's all already these, failing. It's already it, failing. It, it, it is. I mean, um, look I, at I was, look at look at Disney. The problems they're having with their mm -hmm. Star Wars franchise, yeah. their Marvel. Uh, I just I just read a, an article. Um, I mean, I, I don't really pay too much attention to this stuff, so I'm not sure, but it is some, some person who's big in that space, like an influencer in that space who has connections inside Disney. And apparently what's coming is they're just abandoning the, I don't like the warrior social justice whiner, uh, platform altogether. And they're going to, they're going to go back to like, they're going to make it, they're going to fire actors if they, uh, if they denigrate fans, for example, and it was getting hilariously yeah. out of control with these, um, holier than thou, uh, you know, dude, we're uh, seeing it with the NBA, um, you know, champagne socialist loser yeah. celebrities. 
um, just just berating the fan base and and telling them, uh, well, we see it, we see it. uh, This is this is the thing now. Right. And but but the the economic fallout, like the market has spoken and Disney apparently internally now what they're making clear is we're in the fucking business of making money, of delivering value to shareholders. We thought this shit would make us money. It is not making us money. It is uh, losing us money. So we're over that. We're done with that. And apparently there's going to be major shifts in the whole tenor of their franchises and how they're uh, how their actors behave, and yeah, we're going to see that. There's, there's the, the pendulum is going to swing back in the other direction. Well, the, the irony is we're getting lectured by a bunch of people who get paid to lie for a living. You yeah, know, yeah, like, exactly. uh, like the most disingenuous yeah, yeah, the... job on the deal is to be an actor and to pretend and this. And I mean, you're really being paid for the quality of your uh, lying. I forgot who it was. Uh, got up and you know for his Academy Award is like, well, I guess you guys have voted me the best liar. <laughs> uh, was that uh, Jim Carrey? Uh, I, yeah, I can't remember, but the uh, like so, and then you get these guys get up there, and it's like, dude, you get paid to pretend to be somebody else, and you're going to lecture me on all these other things. And I think, like, I mean, I was saying, like, I was watching on the NBA, uh, the ratings uh, are in the are, are in the toilet, and they're well. Now at this. I just saw today. Uh, I, I don't really yeah, follow sports, but I saw the headline. Right, is that yeah, the two the, the two Californian the two LA teams are yeah, are just going to withdraw, and they're they're saying that's the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, uh, you know, over the, the shooting in Wisconsin and this, and it's just like, uh, like, but I mean, the, I think this is in reaction because the ratings are so poor. Like, mm-hmm. this is the poorest ratings they've ever had. And I think people are just like, I don't want to be lectured. It's, by what is it? It's a uh, go, 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 go woke, get broke or whatever, or get woke, go broke, whatever the saying is. Man. It, um, I, I think like as a you know former NFL player and professional athlete like I really enjoyed the simplicity of the job like let me just show up in tight spandex and beat people's asses for you know three hours on a Sunday and then I you know you get into this whole kind of social justice and now I have to use my platform for this and this and it's like dude like at the end of the day man people want to show up they want to eat hot dogs they want to see people get you know to do their job like they don't want to be lectured on this stuff and um, I'm always a big fan like hey if like once you retire you want to go in this direction but leveraging your platform as a professional athlete to the detriment and destroying the league in which you play because people, I mean, it's just, it's fucking bad. Yeah. It's, it's completely irresponsible. And while I, I don't agree with the stay in your lane, like I've heard that because I'll, I'll, I'll make political and social commentary on uh, my podcast. You're, you're, you're like me. You're like, uh, I pay taxes. I have an opinion. I should be, uh, um, you know, able to make my opinion, which is, you know, like you're an intellectual dude. I'm sure you're well-spoken on a lot of things and you have an opinion and therefore you, and, and a platform to push it out. And, and I'm also though cognizant of the fact that, that people are following me first and foremost for health and fitness advice. And many of them maybe don't care about my political uh, sensibilities or, or anything else other than just how do I get more jacked and then how do I get, how do I get healthier for, for people who care about that as well. And so I'm respectful of that. I, I stick to, 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 to health and fitness, but I will make comments and on my Instagram, I'll share memes and stuff and it's mostly fitness, but if it's not fitness, it's going to be something related to politics and related to uh, culture. And so I'll get that. Oh, just stay in your lane. Um, sometimes. And I always, I find that ironic because, and this is always my reply. And of course I've never, this is the end of the discussion is like, okay, so are, are you a, are you a moral philosopher? 
uh, oh, you're not? Well, maybe you should stay in your lane. Maybe you shouldn't make moral judgments on what I'm doing, right? It's just so stupid. It's you have to, it's such a, it's such a midwit knee jerk response to something you just don't like, right? Um, so, so while I don't agree with stay in your lane, I, I, I do understand, however, if I were to like, uh, start producing a bunch of episodes on my podcast about culture and politics that people would be like, what the fuck? What, what, I just want to know. Not, maybe they're not offended by it, but they're just like, I, I don't even personally care about any of this. I just want to know what Mike has to say about uh, programming and, and, and calorie cycling and carb cycling and all these things. And so if I were to do that, I would, I would do it as a separate podcast. So at least then people would be like, look, if you want to come over here, come over here. Um, and if you want fitness stuff, mostly <laughs> then, then stay here. Um, you know, so I, that, that's again, though, I consider that just maybe a, a point of manners or being respectful of my listeners because we're asking for their time and that's, that's valuable. And especially these days, there's so many different things that are, that are, uh, demanding time. And there's so many different places that we can put our time and ways we can spend our time. So I do want to try to try to make it as valuable as possible. Um, but I don't, I didn't, I didn't actually didn't, I, I think we off on, a, I didn't, I didn't answer your, your question. Well, I didn't ask it yet. So <laughs> perfect. All right. This well, is thank you. <laughs> the miss one of our co-guests that we've both had on our podcast show near AL was nice enough to introduce us. So I wanted the opportunity to see if there was a, a favorite book or something you've read recently or deep diving right now, fitness or not related, that you may recommend that you've been excited about. Good question. Let me pull up. I, I keep I have a pretty OCD system for tracking all the stuff I read and I pull out all of my uh, highlights and stuff. Let me see. Cause I, I feel like I've been on a little bit of a dry spell, uh, in terms of books that stand out to me. I was like, Oh yeah, definitely. This was it. Um, there was a book I read recently called, um, super thinking, I believe that was, that was good. I enjoyed, um, let's see, what do I got here? Yeah. Super thinking was good. There's a book that I'm going to do a podcast on, uh, I, I do a, like a, a little book review podcast, one, one a month or so just for fun. I take a book I like and, and I share like five key takeaways and usually some of my thoughts. And so there's a book uh, called The Anglo-American Establishment. And it's a book I've recommended to anybody who uses the term conspiracy theory, which is, again, a, a pet peeve dun, of mine. Dun, like dun. you, What was it's it called? Just, Anglo what? The Anglo-American Establishment. Okay. And, and the story of this book is, so first look into who wrote it, Carol Quigley. Um, and he has impeccable bona fides. Uh, if you, he, he's a Harvard trained historian and I believe he taught at Yale as well. And he taught at Georgetown and he was Bill Clinton's pers personal mentor. He ran their, uh, their foreign, uh, foreign services school, I believe it's called over at Georgetown, which is like a hotbed of recruiting for the CIA. George, um, uh, Bill Clinton read, uh, uh, Quigley's masterwork. His life's work was a book he spent, I don't know, 20 plus years working on it called Tragedy and Hope. It's like a thousand plus pages. And it's a, a very detailed history of global politics from the late 1800s to like the 1950s. 
and he had insider access. He got access to stuff that nobody got access to because of who he was. And he was really a part of, a, of an inner, inner circle of sorts. And he wrote the Anglo-American establishment after Tragedy and Hope and uh, boiled it down. It's, it's a couple hundred pages. It's very dense. I mean, it reads like a scientific paper. So it's not, it's not fun to read, but it gives a... Ashes. Jeez. What's that? Uh, I, I, yeah, um, Legacy of Ashes is a history of the, C- of, of, of the uh, CIA and oh, all okay. their mistakes. It's a really interesting, but it's a it's a, one of those dense reads where you're just listening to folly after folly after folly, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah, so, but, yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is a very scholarly work um, because of who he was, right? And it, it is again, it's the book I recommend to anybody who uses the term conspiracy theory unironically. I'll use it ironically because I'm like. Wait, okay. So first, what is the definition of conspiracy? And many people, they already don't even, they literally can't even define the word, right? So, so okay, so it's people working secretly to do things they're not supposed to do. Let's just, let's, so what you're saying is people don't really do that anymore, that that was like a thing of the past and that rich and powerful people don't work behind the scenes to get richer and, and more powerful and to undermine their enemies. And that's Well, that's these aren't conspiracies. This is well, just... Yes, I mean it's <laughs> no, literally it, uh, conspiracies, but it, but, but that the well, word, the history of the word has been weaponized. The, yeah, the, and, but the and, history of the word, and you know this, that uh, was created by the CIA for people for yep. them to discredit people. I'm surprised you know that. I'm surprised yeah. you oh, know. I'm, that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Berkeley grad, man. I'm a I'm a well-read individual. It's not I a, mean, a dumb. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. No, I didn't mean that as a criticism. I just most people most people don't know that. Yeah, uh, that, uh, but that, yeah, no. I mean, the whole history of it. I mean, the CIA created it, and I mean we. It is. It was carefully chosen and it has been weaponized as propaganda and propagated by the media to discredit anything that they don't want people looking into. Right. And it's also doubly ironic because people who, who again, use that term uh, unironically. No, no, they're not. They don't disbelieve all conspiracy theories. They just disbelieve the ones they don't like. Like if, if they're a left-leaning person, they love their Russia conspiracies and Ukraine conspiracies. Every Trump conspiracy, they love all of those. Well, that's because those are not conspiracy theories. They are conspiracy facts. Uh, oh, okay, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so conspiracy is the dominant theme of history. Like, what do you mean? That's what's been happening since the beginning of time is powerful well, people conspire. Well, the get more powerful. My and, and favorite one is, is reading the history of uh, the Federal Reserve. Yeah. Uh, like the, the Did history, you read the, the creature of Jekyll Island by any chance? Yeah, there was. Uh, yes, um, there were a bunch of excerpts, and like you know, uh, it, like it was signed in on like December twenty sixth, and like these you know four of the rich families met at some secret island off of the coast yep. of like was it Jekyll South Island? Yeah, yeah, Jekyll Island. I think yeah. it goes off of yep. uh, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, off of Georgia. And, it was um, architected by the by yeah. by Rockefeller, yeah. Yeah. by Rothschild, yeah. uh, by uh, Vanderbilt. Van yeah, yeah, the, the Vanderbilt. Pulitzer as well. And, and then the Pulitzer, yeah. So the four, and then they, you know, and, and the, as you know, the Federal Reserve is not a reserve and it's not federal, yep. you know, and how they positioned it. And there's like no autonomy. I mean, it's, it, you know, there's no transparency. It's pretty amazing when you read this stuff. You're like, this isn't a theory and this is a major conspiracy. This is the biggest okay. theft of the American people. I mean, the Manhattan Project, that was like 130,000 people working on that. And we didn't even know about it for like three decades after. Wasn't it? How did, uh, they pull, uh, how did they pull that off? Wasn't it like Operation Paperclip, where they were pulling like Nazi yep. scientists over to come and work? In Werner von Braun. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's like I mean, put us on, put us on the moon. He was yeah. a top. He was yeah. a. 
and not he wasn't also i mean he was he was a high-ranking officer in the nazi party yeah. i mean he used slave labor work people to death in underground labs to build yeah. v2 rocks and shit like he did bad things he wasn't yeah. just a poor scientist who got compelled or got you know yeah. uh, forced into doing these things by evil hitler like no no he was a full-on nazi yeah. he was into it oh and like this is like this is the history of america or the history of the world and we know this stuff i mean uh the one great thing about history is time you know uh you know should make it right or wrong and how the perceived and those who you know win the wars tend to write the history but like these yeah. are things that we know to be true and yet people still attach theories behind it and like this conspiracy is a way to kind of let the air out of it and it's like dude like these aren't conspiracy theories like this is actually real history that either you can acknowledge or you can deny but at the end of the day it really happened so, so have, have you come across the book day of deceit no i have not you would like it uh, primary documents um very good research uh, somebody he was he was high up in the navy who wrote it um impressive work of journalism that makes it pretty much, in my, like, if I had to bet a lot of money, right, life is, you make bets on probabilities that I'd say he makes a open and shut case that we not only knew that Pearl Harbor was coming, that, there, that the U.S. government worked to instigate it, actually, to, 100%. Uh, to, to, to bait Japan, to, to give Japan the idea and set it up so they, they felt like um, emboldened enough to actually do it, that it could work as a pretext for, for entering for, World yeah. War II. And again, that comes back to the ends uh, justify the means and well, now the you're talking lie. Machia- well, now you're talking Machiavelli. I mean, the, you know, the Machiavellian or uh, the prince, you know, the end justifies the means. But yeah, yeah. the whole thing with Pearl Harbor, super fascinating how uh, the sanctions of the things that we did, we knew were, would drive them to strike first and pretty yep. amazing. No, it's... Yep. it's um, and- yeah. So the Anglo-American inception, you'll like it. You'll like it because um, you'll appreciate the work that went into it. You'll appreciate who is behind it. But it's a good book that uh, if somebody is willing to slog through it, if they still are of that mindset uh, that oh, oh, conspiracy theories of uh, it, it focuses on British politics, but it shows it's it's like House of Cards. The show is it's very accurate in that regard. I mean, it just shows the lengths that these people as you had the British aristocracy uh, and, and how they, they they just were very smart in controlling the bureaucracy of government. They weren't so interested in elective positions because those people come and go and they know that politicians in elective positions have to spend most of their time campaigning anyway. Sure. And those people turn to the civil service uh the people they turned to the bureaucracy of government to tell them what to do and so um they were they were very they were very uh, specific in terms of the positions in government that they wanted to control within their group and so they would pass these positions to each other and they were they were very big in controlling uh the media but but not just at that point it wasn't the mass media they were more interested in controlling there was like a paper he talks about called the times they were they knew they understood the power of leverage they understood that you don't have to control everyone down to the individual you just want to control the key people who influence all the way down the, the line and so they 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 put a lot of effort into controlling the media that academics would consume and people in positions of power would consume. They, were, they put a lot of work into controlling academia, particularly Oxford University and several of the colleges there. All Souls was like their, that was the, the, really the, the nexus of their, of their um, really use it, they, they use it to recruit. 
people coming out of Oxford into their group. Uh, and they were very interested in controlling intelligence as well in, 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 in the government. And uh, they were very good at propaganda and they had a, a vision for the world. And um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a global government and it's socialistic in a sense or communistic, of course, where they have all the power though, um, it, run by essentially technocrats. And they had no conception of individual freedom. You never once got even an, the idea that they really cared what was best for people at a practical level. Like instead of trying to take over the world, literally, and they were trying to build a global empire um, that would be dominated by Britain. Instead of doing that, maybe they could have just worked to like help people get a better education. I don't know, or like help people get access to better nutrient, like better food and, and water and stuff. No, 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 fuck all that. Like it needed to be conquer the world, top down, uh, centrally plan everything. They're the geniuses, we're the idiots. And you get that, that that very much is there was their perspective, right? It was that they're so brilliant. We're so pathetic. We're so dumb. We can't even manage our own affairs, let alone manage the affairs of society. So we just need somebody who is clearly our superior to dictate to us exactly what we can and cannot do. And our sense of morality is irrelevant in, in the scheme of things, blah, blah, blah. So um, that book is, is eye-opening in that regard. Sounds, sounds amazing. I think, you, I think you'll enjoy yeah, no, it. I'm, I'm, I will buy this today. No, it's, um, you know, and there's, it, it's pretty funny. Like whenever I listen to different people talk about, you know, the benefits and the virtues of socialism, there's always the, well, yeah, we know that it's been done you know, poorly in the past. And if you look at like the Bolsheviks and you look at this and, you know, and you go through the, all these different types of uh, deal, it's always like, but it wasn't done right. It wasn't done benevolent. We would you know what I say is, I, well, so I ask them about capitalism, right? And then they're going to say how much they hate it and how bad yeah. it is. And you're explaining, I'm like, well, maybe capitalism just hasn't been done right. Done right. <laughs> the, well, maybe. The, dude, the irony and, and you, you know this, I mean, like socialism uh, works in a small scale. Like if the three of us all live on the same block on some cul-de-sac sure. and we pool resources in this and you can see your neighbor eye to eye and hey, you're not cutting your weight and you have some checks and balances in it and everybody is, pres uh, you know, presumed to be, uh, you know, hardworking and in for yep. it in this. And this, trustworthy but the, yeah. Yeah, but but the minute that all of a sudden you put one person in a room who doesn't have to see the other they act in their best interest it's human nature and the idea that you're going to be benevolent to uh take care of people and do the right thing for people that you've never met is uh, uh like it's a huge fallacy and it's bullshit and it's um you know uh, i got in an argument the, the other day with a guy and he was like well you know you're just assuming that so communism turns into cap or in socialism turns into communism i'm like because it always does it, it, it's well, a little I mean, it's that, little that, communism it, it's never yes but that was not, its intention i mean when yeah. you go back to like the founding ideology uh, of, of, of karl idea. marx yeah i mean you know I, like it's, it's not uh, me saying that what do you mean that's that's your idol saying that yeah it, it's uh yeah and then if you actually spit back what they wrote and like dude did you ever read any of this stuff i mean have you ever looked at it and been like this is the end game of this and this idea that you know socialism is just a bit you know little capital or a little uh communism is bullshit it always evolves this way it hasn't every other time so why wouldn't it do it this time because it hasn't been done right it hasn't been done benevolent it's fucking bullshit you know it, also something i ask uh the people who who are are, mar are are into Marxism is how much of their time and money do they give to this cause, right? That they, they say they care so much about. And it's almost always nothing. It's, and and that, that alone is like, 
cool way to live to your principles. It's easy to say things and it costs you nothing. And then, and then furthermore, let's say they criticize some billionaire for not paying their fair share, right? Um, well, a couple of things. One, in one year, that billionaire pays more taxes than your entire life is worth economically, period. Yeah. Like all the taxes you're gonna pay, everything you're gonna produce in your lifetime, if you look at you as an economic unit, one year of that dude's taxes, maybe it is only 9% of his income, is worth more than, yep. is worth probably 10 times what your entire life is worth to the economy. So let's not forget that. The, the objective amount of money being paid does matter, right? And then, you're, so, so you who don't really give any time or money, so how much do you really believe in this or is it just virtue signaling? It's almost also, it's almost always just I'm gonna, signaling. I'm gonna defer to the latter for you. I mean, but, it, it, it but, is virtue signaling and it's, appear, it's giving the appearance of being woke. So, exactly. Uh, I'm a good person. It's just yeah. saying I'm a good person and it's, it's cheap and it's, it's free and it has zero it, fucking currency and, and, it, and it, and it allows them to reflect on why they're a good person, right? Because they said the words. Um, but okay. So you don't, you don't care beyond just saying words. Um, you are criticizing someone who objectively is producing more value for the economy, which, which means directly impacting people's lives, raising people out of poverty, improving their quality of living, um, than you ever will. Like it's going to take multiple generations of your descendants. If you even have any to reach one year, probably of this guy's taxes. Um, and then what you're telling me is if you were in his shoes, you would be doing it differently. Is that what you're telling me? Well, often, often, you know, if they make some money, they're doing something to reduce their taxes, something. Right. And then and, and especially, I mean, I, I know of people who are very wealthy, who, who talk like, oh, yeah, the, people like me should be paying more. Motherfucker, then pay more. Yeah, Why you do overpay. you? Why do you have a team of people then who you pay collectively seven figures a year to to figure out how you can pay as little tax as possible? Why are you doing that? Or the Hollywood people that are bitching about uh, guns and how terrible they are, but yet they have an armed yeah. security team and fucking defenses around and, the house. And, 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 and then it's going to be like Cargo's Fast number 45 with uh, you know every scene is someone getting blown yeah, up or uh, shot. Yeah, you got Liam Neeson talking about how terrible guns are, and I'm like, you may take <laughs> Like, uh, like that's one, two, and that's, three. That's the fucking disingenuous, and that's why, like, I'm amazed with actors. And this, I mean, so as the a, self-righteousness as is, a professional it's just football nauseating. player, man. Um, guys would get up, and you hear them, you know, wear the cross and the Bible thumping, and you, you know, but you know, this and this, and then like you'd see that same dude at the strip club, yeah. or the guy would have like all all this other stuff, and I'm like, weren't you leading Bible study, and you're back there, you know? I mean, I, I realize you're probably you know drinking the sacrament and you know giving help and doing whatever but i'm like man like there's just so much disingenuous and i'm like hey if you want to live that life live that life and do these things but don't sit there and fucking pretend to be something you're not and i think um i i would under i'd have more understanding if somebody were living let's say uh say 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 leading bible studies and and um and being involved in in their church because they think it's the right thing to do and they don't virtue signal about it um, let's say they also are out at strip clubs and, and doing things they're not supposed to be doing. And um, we've all done things that we were not supposed to do. We know what that's like to some degree. That's not a justification to continue doing things. And we should always be trying to, I guess you could say, perfect ourselves as much as we can. Right. And but I can have uh, uh, we've all made mistakes. And so I would have a little bit more understanding, again, if it was 
if there was no virtue signaling involved in it. It, it, and they were to say, you know, you're right. I, I shouldn't be doing that. And I don't know, here's how I rationalize it. This is why I'm doing it. But at least I do do some good things as well. And, and I would say, okay, I mean, I can understand that. Maybe it'd be, and we all can get better and we should all work to get better. I, I wouldn't say that, that you can, it'd be weird as if you can like use uh, these things like poker chips, uh, like, okay, um, I, I can, uh, as long as I, as long as I am, am putting enough in the pot over here, I can, I can then, you know, take over here and my, the good justifies the wrong, but, but you're having if, it's, if, if, if you take out, if you take out the hypocrisy, then I think it's at least a little bit more understandable. It's like the television evangelists, you know, I mean, those, uh, you know, standing up, it just, to me, man, like, What's what's really kind of but uh, like I can't say this is unique in time, man. I mean, people have always done this. I mean, uh, like of course, you know, it's human nature. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, you know, I just listened to uh, um, I got I can't remember the name of the guy. He was a mobster. He's got a, a thing on uh, Vlad TV, like Johnny something. Like he's an old guy, and he wrote a pretty decent book. I haven't read it yet, but uh, I've got it on the list. But he was talking about. Um, uh, he was friends with Sinatra and uh, knew the Kennedys and Marilyn Monroe. And he was actually, uh, the way he met Marilyn Monroe was he worked at a place that uh, shampooed uh, hair for like at a talent, you know, beauty school. And he worked and he shampooed her hair and like was friends with her and like knew that she was having an affair with not only Kennedy, but also his brother and how the mob used her in this. And like pretty interesting, like, and, you know, and then the, you know, the mob going and killing, uh, you know, John F. Kennedy, which is, you know, whether or not people call that a conspiracy theory, I mean, we know it happened. And just pretty amazing, like, when you hear this stuff, especially first-hand uh, first accounts, um, you know, and then people are like, well, it's full of shit. He's just writing a book. And it's like, dude, like, you know, if everything points to this, there's a good chance that this is the, you know. There's a point, yeah, there's a point with, with these types of things where there are just too many coincidences. And that's when I start to get, that's not necessarily the, 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 uh, the point where I'm going to be convinced of something, but there is a point where you start going, all right, there, this, these can't all just be coincidences. <laughs> yeah. There are too many of these yeah. things that, that just came together just right. And, and so I'm much more of the mind that I think this was a Kennedy quote, actually, that things don't I'm paraphrasing that don't, that things don't just happen. They're made to happen. Right. Yeah. And you know, of course that's not always the case, but, um, I think a lot of people are not even open to looking because of the implications, right? It's not nice to consider that maybe uh, many of the most powerful people in the world are not build, not working to build a better world for, for you and me, for all of us. Like maybe they don't have our best interests in mind. Maybe they're more interested in depopulating the planet and um, preserving the best genetic stock so that we can break through to the next level of evolution and we can merge with machines and go conquer the stars. Maybe they think that that is what we should be doing and we need to move beyond our uh, really modern existence, which is, um, is, is, is petty and pointless in many ways. And they have the means to do this, like read Brave New World and look into who Aldous Huxley was and who his brother was, Julian, and his involvement in uh, UNESCO and with uh, you, he, he ties into the Anglo-American establishment that like yeah. both of those guys came from Oxford. They were connected. I would argue that Brave New World is a it was it was a it was a created as a blueprint, as a as a vision of of where we can go if we just um, 
read that. I mean, I, I read it in high school. I mean, yeah. I, along with uh, Orwell's nineteen. I reread it recently just because of what's going on. Yeah, um, I, like it's one of those things. And I, you, um, I've said that uh, that closing thing is people go, oh, we're in interesting times. And I go, no, we're in a brave new world. Yeah. This is where we're, we're, we're getting there. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we're moving. I mean, Orwell called it the idea of big brother. I mean, all of these key terms that we know that just fit within our vernacular. That yeah. was Orwell. I mean, it um, like it like the idea that uh, history repeats itself or this. But when you see these things and you're reading them now with like the lens of where we are and how far we've come, you're like, this feels architect like this doesn't feel yep. like it's just some amazing coincidence that this is. I mean, you're talking about people. I mean, what did Orwell write? Eighty uh, four in what the, the 50s? And I, know, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know exactly. Yeah, it might, it, have, been, I mean, might, have, been, might yeah. have been earlier. Yeah, it might, might have been earlier. But to come up with uh, all these things and you're reading it, and you're like, oh, God, this is eerily familiar. How did yeah. this guy have this foresight? It's, it's, yeah, we I are, mean, what's that, what's that famous saying? Uh, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And huh. so, I mean, you, 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 that, that's one of the reasons I, I enjoy. The, sorry to interrupt, Mike, yeah. but 1949. Yeah, 49, okay. that's right. Okay. 50, yeah. Right, right, yeah, right after the Dude, war. Yeah, um, unbelievable. Yeah, so, so I understand why, why many people are, are, they don't want to look because really what we're talking about is we're talking about facing what is, I mean, it's, it's evil and it's evil that is, is incomprehensible. I mean, you'd made this point earlier. It, it, it's, it's incomprehensible to the average person to think like this and to, uh, I guess to have so much uh, hatred for humanity to think that that's what, that's what needs to happen. That's the only solution. The only solution is that we just, we just have to treat people. I mean, we have to create the brave new world, right? The new world order. And I think where we're, where, where they are trying to to lead us is probably 80% brave new world and 20% 1984. And that the, the key mixed with Lord of the flies. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a blending goods. of those through because I, I think we're going to have to get to Lord of the Flies, uh, at least in some, but I feel like there's a I blending agree. of those three. I mean, which is what we're seeing. I, I mean, agree. I, I keep waiting to see a fat kid with a conch shell like any day now where I'm like, is Lord Piggy. of the Flies here yet? It's, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, uh, I, I think that's, uh, that, that, that's, that's in the mixture for sure. I guess on the on the positive side of things, though, I think the tra- <laughs> the trajectory the trajectory of history though has been upward. I think yeah. that we've gone uh, to 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 pull from Ray Dalio in his book Principles. He had this diagram of of progress where you're going up and then you're down and you loop back around. And you go up a little bit higher and you loop back around, and so yeah, we're definitely in a downward swing right now. But the trajectory historically, I'm just saying from the from when we zoom out uh, and just look at where we were as a species and where we are now, I do think follows that follows that pattern. So, um, you know, hope, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's, I think it'll take time. And I think you're right that I don't know how we get to something better without uh, destroying a lot of what is bad. And that is going to be a chaotic process. Um, but if history is going to rhyme again, then it may, I don't know if it's going to be 20 years or 30 years. I mean, things are accelerating, I think, at a greater rate uh, in general. Um, but we may we may find ourselves in a place where we have a lot of the the, the current um, just just craziness behind us. And we're looking ahead to a future where we're like, shit, actually, this this could be pretty cool. 
uh, maybe we're yeah, going to colonize Mars. Maybe that's actually going to become a thing. You know, what's the tablets in Georgia? Um, the uh, the apocalypse tablets. I forgot the name of them. They're oh, like the, the, like the guidestones. Yeah, the yeah, the, guidestones. that's right. The yeah. Georgia guidestones, which yeah. is the number five hundred million. Yeah. Five hundred million is the is the number on the Georgia guidestones. Yeah, yeah so it's uh, how to which it's unclear that. where those how those exactly came Nobody about. Knows. Only like one yep. dude knows. He wouldn't tell him. Like they showed up in the eighties, but the first one is don't go over half a billion, and then you know like a global language, and they go through how to rebuild yep. after the apocalypse. I feel like for some reason, every time I hear this, I'm like, and especially every time I see Bill Gates talk, I just like, I Fuck see Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you want a ruthless computer manufacturer with a God <laughs> complex managing your personal health? Yes no. or no? It's, no, it's actually no. a yes or no question. That's it. Uh, dude, I don't even know where the yes on that side is. Every time I see him talking, it was pretty interesting. They asked him, they were like, well, you know, why do you think, um, you know, the U.S. hasn't defeated coronavirus as uh, well as China? And he was just interviewed. And he's like, well, it's individual freedoms. And he laughed. And he's like, Americans believe in this individual freedoms. The companies that have done <laughs> That's so him too. The countries that have done it well are the ones like China. I mean, they're really the model where they just don't care about your civil liberties and they just force you to do these things, which is how we should all. And he's literally laughing through it. And I'm like. This dude is legitimately like the Dr. Evil. He, he, yes, I was, he's a Bond supervillain. Yeah. He's not a very good one. He's actually kind of bad at crime, which, which makes, and he's kind of a bumbling idiot, uh, but he, he's, he's, he's the best they've got. Uh, at least he's one of their, he's one of the, one of the I think the, the, the hench, maybe he's like their chief science officer or something. Uh, but, but yeah, he's like a Bond supervillain. There have been, there have been, I mean, he said in, uh, in April, he posted an essay over at Gates Notes where he said, you can go, it's still up. Anybody can go look at it. No return to normal until nearly every person on the planet has been vaccinated for COVID-19. Oh, and by the way, it's going to have to be a multi-dose vaccine. It's not yeah, just because, gonna... well, they have over 200 versions as it's evolved. So you have to be vaccinated for everyone. But I just read that the WHO came out and said, this is no normal. It, it, it's not going to go back to normal after the uh, vaccine because we've seen this as the light on how to go green and, and uh, deal with climate change. Yep, I did see that. So uh, I did like, see that. now they're like, it'll never go back and we don't want it to because this is going to be our vehicle for this, even if the vaccine comes. And I'm like reading this. I'm like, this is a World Health Organization. Like, like this is who? Yeah. yeah. Get it? Yeah, yeah. I, I get it, man. It's um, uh, like as you see this stuff, like you kind of look around, you're like, am I the only one that's really concerned about what these people are saying because they're not this, even hiding this, anymore. this next election is going to be a referendum on all of this right i mean uh and that's i'm not i'm not even an explicitly pro-trump guy uh, i i have criticisms of of and 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 beyond just his personal demeanor um but yeah, the actual policy related things awful. and and so you know i don't his I'm hair not even, like the uh, as, as poorly as his suits fit like just his whole <laughs> whole presentation see i don't care about that stuff because it's kind of ad hominem but, but uh, i care about but shouldn't the president look presidential like i'm just used to these guys like i mean i'm not a huge obama fan but dude he looked he like well spoken off of the teleprompter yeah. in shape dressed well yeah. like like that's yeah he was swapped uh, well swap. i but i would expect the president of the united states but, but I mean, at the very least, like hire. Somebody well, I, I understand. Like, dude, just can you not be fat? Can we just like start yeah. there? Can you like, like at least uh, be in shape? Dude, like, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, you're you're over there on the lead, plane sucking down supplements. fucking uh, KFC <laughs> yeah. in a terribly ill-fitting suit with a tie that's too long. And people are like, oh, I'm like, dude, you have billions of dollars. Hire a fucking stylist to tailor your suits well and stop yeah. wearing fucking Spanx. And hire, and hire a trainer, man. Well, and, he, uh, and he's wearing Spanx all the time, which fucking blows my mind. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't like, know that. just that piece of it, man. Like, 
Like, but show, you know, I actually, I still don't. Do. Ag- I mean, I agree. I agree. I think that's 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 even a part of rhetoric, right? It's part of ethos is is yeah. is projecting a certain kind of character, and I agree with that on principle. Although uh, you look at how like depictions of Andrew Jackson, and he was a very uncouth. Uh, sure. He was he was a wild man. Well, did and, he kill but, somebody on on the? Uh, he got into a duel. On yeah, the, on, I, know, on the, I think it was more than once. Uh, uh, and, Bur- yeah, but that's how he died yeah, too. No, but he had a duel on the lawn of the White House, and I think he the guy was a, uh, the guy Andrew Burr. I want to say is who. I don't remember the exact him. story, but you're right. No, you're right. I just don't remember it. But well, but look I mean, at what a that, that dude Teddy was. Roosevelt was. Yes, exactly, and he looked like a goofball too. Yeah. So. Um, so, so I, I don't, I don't care too much about that. No, my, my disagreements are, are more ideological in, in nature. Um, but regardless right now, how the election is sizing up is it's a referendum on all of this stuff we've been talking about. It's, do you want more, do you want the brave new world that that would be, that'd be Biden Harris or, uh, do you want, I guess, I mean, fuck, it's hard to say what you're even, even <laughs> Or I guess maybe just like not that uh, for four more years, but maybe something else. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's, I, I'm trying to actually is, think. What a- uh, the problem is, is that we've never had uh, three back to back of the same. So like if we have like it, it alternates every year unless it goes for two, but then it always flips to a third. So if a, a, a Dem runs for, you know, like Obama, that's going to be a sure. Republican. So like if Trump wins, then it's is he just promoting the inevitable? And, yep. um, you know, but uh, the GOP can't go back to politics as usual, which is interesting. I'm, I'm that's one thing I've really liked about Trump is he has destroyed the the old neocon GOP platform that's dead. They cannot imagine if they run Jeb Bush again. Imagine if they'll have the worst voter turnout in the history yeah. of the party. It might it, they might never win a presidential election again because they'll turn off so many uh, of their of their voters. So I, I, I wish that somebody had come up on the left who was more Trumpian in that style, in that sense where he doesn't actually doesn't give a shit about the status quo doesn't give a shit about how the game is supposed to play. Doesn't give doesn't give a shit about the establishment and just does his own thing. And uh, in some ways, again, I liked some of what Trump wanted to like. Even even some of the, the the basic ideology of America first in certain ways. Like, yes, I agree with that. I think it's good policy. Blah blah blah. Um, I, I wish somebody could rise on the left, but it just hasn't happened. Dude, I mean, uh, uh, the person who I really liked was uh, Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, yeah, I, heard her on I was going to mention, I was going to mention I, Tulsi. I, I, like, I was listening to her and I was like, I would vote for this person. Yeah. Like uh, she's a veteran. Yep. I mean, she fits. And what's crazy, she clicks all the boxes on the Dems. Yep. And then what do they do? They run a 70 something white dude who has been in politics for fucking 50 years who hasn't, you know, I mean, Who's not, you can't even, he can't even read a teleprompter well. Like, he, he, I mean, there's. But but what's crazy is he used to be sharp as a tack. Yeah, he was good. He was, he was good. You You watch old videos. And and yeah, you watch some of the old Biden stuff. He was sharp as a tack. You know, you go through it and you're seeing him now and you're like, uh, this is not. I mean, he's been a pathological liar since the beginning. And there there were, there were a lot. There were. Yeah, I wasn't talking about his ethics. I was just. (laughs) You know, I know. I'm just saying, like, he was, he was was good. He was good. I agree. No, he was, he was, he was a good speaker. Um, and he was cl- he was clearly, uh, I mean, so, verbal intelligence can be tricky in that it, it can lead you to think that somebody is smarter than they are. Sure. Uh, if if they can just articulate, if they can just speak well, which is something that 
can be learned by yeah. anybody. You can practice it. Yeah. And, and, and so it, it can make someone come across as I think having more general intelligence than they do, but, but he was good. He was a good speaker. He had, yeah. he had definitely good, good verbal IQ. Um, now, now, now he's, he's a disaster. I think it's, it's amazing that they've found a worse candidate than Hillary. That, that's that's imp- that's and, impressive. And then you know my other favorite is then they tack uh, Camila Harris, which um, dude I disliked her as uh, the AG in California. We were in California. I didn't like her as a senator. And yeah. like I mean she like she's very unpopular. I mean I'm fucking, surprised that the worst. And and it was funny. My wife and I were talking about. It. I'm like if he picks Camila Harris, like he's done. And then like sure enough, like five days later, she, how'd you know? I'm like because it's the single worst person they could select, which almost makes me think that the Dems are trying to tank this thing. That's a good point. I just thought what you're saying. I mean, I wonder how, how, how did they come to this conclusion? Uh, I, is it, I, you know, you wonder, is it, is it incompetence to, or is it malevolence? No, like what? I think they're trying to tank this thing, uh, for why women. though? Um, because it, um, there's some, there's some global agenda that we're not privy to that we'll look back and say, how do we miss it? That's possible. Uh, I just think that there's, um, to quote Greg Glassman, you, you are a pawn in a bigger game. Yes, that's and, very true. Uh, like that's I mean, I, I guess feel. you could look at it from the perspective of if Trump wins, the media, I think, is going to outright call for a civil war. They're just going to straight gonna up say it. it's time to the fucking ground. No, it's time. It's yeah. time to go. They're, they're going to be very explicit about that. There's there's even I don't know if you saw this is just it's according to a whistleblower. So who knows? Uh, apparently a, a DNC insider leaked that um, there, there's talk about secession uh, if yeah. Trump wins. So California and New York would lead the way and try to gather as many other blue states as they can, which, of course, there will be a federal yeah. response. We're in a civil war. Well, the, uh, uh, the comment was made, um, and this came out of the DNC, neither side it will accept a loss. So neither side will concede the loss. And mutually assured destruction. It. Well, it, I mean, but, but it's true. It's like, hey, we, we are not going to lose this. And if yep. we lose, we're not going to concede it. And, you know, that's what the, the deal now with the mail-in and this and the ballots and here, you know, they're going to. And, and uh, you, yeah. I'm sure you know about the social media kill switch yep. that they're putting in place where they're just going to be able to shut off all communication yep. related to politics. And Dude, they, they were doing these things where all of a sudden they were like killing. Uh, they, were, they were doing systematic blockouts of like W of. Uh, of yeah, I remember reading it. Yeah, yeah, and they did that during the pandemic. They were like, when yeah. things were getting too hot in certain areas, they were killing not only in all the IPs, but they were killing all the social media. I mean, they have a very interesting strategic. I just think that there's pieces that we are not privy to, and I and I just can't see it yet. But I know, like, it just feels like one side. Like, there's no way that for all the money and the people and everything that they've done, that Biden is the best that they could. And then they pick somebody like Camille Harris as, as his running. Fair mate. point. We're, fair we're, point. Like, I mean, Obama, Obama came from obscurity to yeah. superstardom quickly. And so that was obviously like the opposite. That was a, that was a really, a really shrewd pick. And it's not, did because, you read his, uh, did you read his first book? No. Uh, read his first book. Really interesting. He talks about like as a, you know, young Senator, he, you know, comes in and I think he was like a two year, you know, had been doing it two years, was in his first term. And they put this group of people together trying to see if he has the, the power, the chops, the whole deal to be able to run for president. Mm. And it's, you know, and there's some of these major political people in there and it was, they were going through all of the reasons why it couldn't and race never came up. And, they, and it, so it, it's pretty interesting that, like, you know, then all of a sudden you hear, you know, this this race thing. It's like I read yeah. the book, man. Like it was it was age. It was experience. It was all these other things. But the thing that they loved is, one, he was in good shape. He dressed well. 
I mean, one of the best speakers I've ever heard off a teleprompter. The minute they took the teleprompter off and you got to hear not not only the chip on his shoulder, but the way abrasive he was, you could see it. But man, that guy could deliver a speech to the point where I was, you know, I was a rhetoric major in college. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So when you brought that up, ethos, pathos and logos. But like I was always blown away by his ability to deliver and hold the moments and all the key. I mean, just. An I agree. No, speaker. one of the one of the best, one of the best that I've ever seen. Yeah, and and it's um to me like I always think like uh, show up, look in the part, do the job you're supposed to do, and make people because uh, a lot of people feel comfortable with it. If the guy shows up and you know it, it's just yeah, man, we are. Um, I, no, I totally agree. I totally agree, and I and I hope I hope that we that in the future. I mean, uh, I don't know. I rep democracy. Uh, is a failure. It, it is a failure. It's always been a failure, um, especially if we're talking about full franchise. I, I do believe in representative government, but sure. democracy, I mean, Plato was talking about this. It just, it ends in anarchy and chaos. And then we come back full circle to monarchy because some powerful person steps in and says, I'm going to fix shit. Yep. And people say, fine, we don't care. And ca- it only like, lasts about 200 years. Yeah. You and know? then, and, and so we have this cycle we go through. Um, we're moving in the direction of full franchise democracy, obviously. And and I think that's going to be our demise. If we keep moving in that direction, we probably should be going in the other direction. Something maybe uh, we could start with considering maybe if you don't pay taxes, you can't vote. Like voting is a privilege, not a right. Right. Um, But, but one of my, one of my criticisms talking about social media, one of my criticisms of, of Trump and his administration is the lack of response to what is going on in social media. Like, are you just trying to lose what with, with, with the overwhelming, like the, the big social media platforms have done a good job setting up a system where they've just slowly, they've, they've tightened the noose, right? And they, so, so it started with shadow, shadow banning. And then, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't just, it's not just conservatives. It's, it's just people saying things that you're not supposed to say, right? And you have a lot of people now who have been deplatformed uh, off of, uh, it's the big ones, YouTube and, and, uh, Facebook and Twitter. Um, and, and no response whatsoever from the Trump administration. He's, and he was running on, no lock her up and build the wall and a lot of stuff like, uh, yeah, who's been locked up, dude, nobody like yeah. what's going on. Do, are we, are, do we have the rule law of law or not? Or, or can people just do whatever they want? Because now it's, it's so corrupt that the, and, you know, I've been saying this for some well, time. I was so, a Ron Paul guy. Like, I didn't I vote. Do. Like, fuck I, Bush. Fuck Kerry. Uh, and I used to have these talks with people like mainstream, conserv- mainstream conservatism is, is, is ridiculous. We, what are you conserving exactly? Explain to me. What are you, what are you conserving? No. What, what really mainstream conservatism has been is just another form. It's like liberalism light. And both of these parties have it's 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 they're going down the same road it's just do you want to go on the left lane or do you want to go on yeah. the right lane right yeah, where yeah, the other car speeding on it and it's on fire um the interesting thing and i yeah. think the reason and, that every, the and everything everything's on fire uh i i think and i just know this from a second hand in a terms of a clandestine source but uh the u.s government made a deal with uh with google and some of these major platforms uh to well, be and they able got to, funding right in well the but but the idea of like hey we can't take a battery out of an iphone so what they did or or you know back doors into google this and, you know, for all the, you know, the spying and all the stuff that uh, Snowden came forward in his book and talked about, which, um, you know, was pretty amazing. Like, so the U.S. government has worked. Conspiracy theory. This isn't a conspiracy <laughs> theory. I mean, Edward Snowden, uh, who uh, I, like 
in terms of patriotism, like I saw him on Rogan, I read his book, like, holy shit, like the stuff that he was doing and the stuff they were asking him to do. Now, I have a different idea uh, that Rogan stayed away from on why he did it. He kind of gave it this idea of like, you know, this is wrong and I wanted to tell the American people. No, he looked at it and was like, what happened to the last guy who did my job? Oh, you guys only last three years because you kill them. And he probably got to the end of his expiration and realized the only way I'm going to survive, because nobody, I mean, the fact that he was the one that was the ability to pull all the information to be able to brief everybody, I and mean, he was the central hub. I mean, what is the expectation, the life expectancy of that guy? It's got to be pretty short, yeah. right? Hey, what happened to Bob who used to sit here? Uh, he got hit by a car. <laughs> what about Dave? Uh, he had a heart attack. I mean, he probably saw it and realized, shit, the only way I'm going to survive this thing is to pull the ripcord and expose it and, you know, and, and do what he's doing. But uh, the U.S. government, I mean, cut a pretty solid deal, I think, with all these platforms so that they could have back-end access to be able to do, you know, what they're doing in terms of spying on the American people. I mean, uh, you know, all, all of our, you know, Bill of Rights and all that, just let's suspend everything from freedom of speech to illegal yeah. search and seizure. I mean, yep. and the crazy part is, is like you're looking at this and you, you hear it and people aren't upset about that they're they're talking about social injustice and this and i'm like what about the stealing of our of uh you know like the dismantling of our bill of rights and us as american citizens we pay taxes for i mean this is this is the social contract we have and you just fucking unbolted it but yet we're okay let's bitch about something else I, I'm hey, you're preaching to the choir, man. I, I actually I feel like we're kindred spirits. I was like, I'm gonna send you my phone, and then we can bitch about this in person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Person. Hey, if if if, uh, if if I end up doing the the political cultural podcast, we'll have to <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to come on. We can oh, talk yeah. about no, it. I, I, yeah. crazy. We can put on our tinfoil hats. Uh, I'm 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 pretty good at lifting weights and and you know all this other stuff, but um, you know I like this is uh, I think is a. Uh, educated i mean so my dad was uh, always big into politics he worked on richard nixon's campaign he ran for congress he was a lobbyist and you know and, and a lawyer uh, for a long time and um so these were always our political discussions i mean he always it was interesting he, on richard nixon's campaign he was sitting in a in a meeting as a you know young attorney for them in the state of california and richard nixon always talked about this silent majority that there was a silent majority hiding in the united states who uh, didn't really just wanted to pay their taxes, go home, raise their kids. It didn't give mm-hmm. a shit about this. That mm-hmm. if they could always find a way to wake this sleeping dragon, it would be the most powerful entity in this country. And he even said, he goes, at some point they'll get pissed, and when they wake, it'll be bad. And like I feel now, like as he told me this, geez, many, many years ago, I feel like Trump's talking about the silent majority of the deal. And then I heard this interesting thing the other day when they were like, at some point, uh, taxpayers are going to get sick of what they're seeing. And it's going to get is, uh, as much as I love training and uh, uh, like I, I, I no, I'm the same love, way. I, lo- I, I love I just the nutrition. Uh, I love the uh, uh, like the supplement like like this is it's been my life. It's been my singular goal since I was 14. But I also went to Berkeley and like this has always been something. And like and I also feel like the information like I'm sure you guys like I believe nothing of what I see and I believe nothing of what I hear. And you try to like pull all this information together and try to put together some commonality so you can kind of see based on and then you use yeah. the lens of history. And, you know, the, what you know of people yep. and human nature and this, and you try to, like, come up with this formulated idea, and then you meet other people that probably do something similar like yourself, and you're like, I'm not that far off. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and I, I have I've had this experience uh, quite a few times in the fitness space, which is not, not surprising, right? I mean, even the fact of, like, if, if you do... Uh, take care of yourself physically. You, you, that alone is like a good sign. You know, it shows that you probably believe in 
um, at least you have some agency, right? And you probably believe in, in, in personal responsibility to some degree. And also as people get older and they have families, their views change radically. Of course, that's just cliche. And, um, you know, for me, that was a little bit different when I was younger. I was I would have called myself a, a libertarian. And I kind of I believed in that utopia, which is a nice utopia. I would prefer that utopia over the sure. communist utopia. But it is it is utopia. And I, I don't know how, how it's ever going to work well, to your point. Yeah. If you had a little small group of like never, highly intelligent, highly well, competent. I mean, people, like maybe. the libertarian approach, uh, like appeals to me. But I'm also a realist in that I realize that you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Like there's no way for us yep. to dismantle this level of access and government and all the stuff that we have to go back to a smaller, more hands free or hands off, like just smaller government that, uh, you know, where, you know, uh, you know, you as the individual uh, decide your own destiny. You are self-sufficient and I don't need I mean, there's yep. no way for us to go back in time. I mean, f- markets, markets yep. can't even work that way. I mean, look at look at what happened at the turn of the century with the robber yep. barons. That's that's what true just uh, no no regulation capitalism yep. will produce. You have Well, I mean, look you have ruthless individuals who will just stamp do, do yep. anything that John yep. Rockefeller do anything they can to destroy their competitors and they'll acquire all the resources. Well, it's like there uh, you go. they came in and broke up Standard Oil with the uh, landmark on, yeah, but well, they, did, they it. did it. And what's amazing is if you look at Facebook and you look at all these other groups, I mean, Facebook owns Instagram. I mean, they went after Standard Oil for something that was far yep. less for what we see within these yep. social media networks. And this comes back to my criticism of Trump and his administration. Like, you know, what, what, where's, where's the action? What, what are we, how, well, how are we going to get to a better place? Like, like let's speak yeah, of these exactly. euphemisms. Yeah, like, One... Uh, yeah, one drop uh, at a time, and, and then we're you know we just have some, like a million yeah, gallons and then to we're go. Gonna replace it. It's just yeah, yeah. With some more, yeah, with some more I mean, swamp dude, like, we'll, we'll you get Steve there. Bannon. I mean, like, but you I, know, like, like, yeah. I, look, just yeah, look at him. Yeah, just, like, I mean, just dude, look you at can't him. Be that poor he, in he, that poor. If, he literally looks like a swamp and, creature. And he's over there talking <laughs> with fucking sores <laughs> on his face and shit. You're like, what the fuck is this? He actually yeah, looks like I a know. leopard. I'm, I'm with you, man. I, um... You know what's ironic about Standard Oil is, yeah, they, they you know, that was yeah. Teddy Roosevelt's whole thing, right? They broke it up. But if you if you read Chernow's biography of Rockefeller, it's called Titan. Uh, I recommend reading if you like biographies. And uh, he Chernow had access to that was like a, a you know an authorized biography. So he got access to private papers and stuff that nobody had seen. And so in private correspondence, what what was learned is, and this is not surprising, this was a conspiracy theory at the time that John Rockefeller dictated the terms of his surrender. He he owned too many politicians and too many judges. It, it just he was too powerful. They couldn't actually stop him. So he joked in his own private correspondence that all that came of that breakup of Standard Oil was it doubled his net worth. And he was like, good job, guys. Wow. Good job. Fuck yeah. off. And it, so so it's just it's just, you know, that that's yeah. that's the world. And that's that's, that's how, that's how it is. I mean, and it's, so, uh, you know, it's human nature, about, but we're not going to fix. There is no political solution to these. Well, they, they were talking about the we richest just, man, Bessos. But what they don't talk about is Putin's probably the richest man in the world. They can't even put his, his they can't even estimate his wealth because he owns like 20 percent of like the largest oil, you know, uh, gas producer. And well, what about you know? Rockefeller? What about Rockefeller? OK, John D. dies and Forbes put his net worth around three to four hundred billion when he died. OK, 
Um, that he died, what, yeah, in the 40s, yeah. 30s, something like that. And we're supposed to believe now that his family, his entire family's net worth is like 15 billion. No, 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 that is literally yeah. impossible. Like, okay, at 7% a year in interest, money doubles yeah. every 10 years. Yeah, just start sense. there. And that's just, that's just earning 7% a year. You could not squander a fortune like that if you, there, there literally aren't enough fucking trinkets to buy like dude you couldn't he installed he couldn't installed do a it phone in his house because he was tired of people coming over and using his phone so he had a pay phone installed in his house that's cheap that fuck true, true story that's true my story one of him and he talked about people he would charge his guests money to, <laughs> he was he was a complete a asshole yeah. he was beyond he was oh, yeah. beyond right and then and then the rothschild fortune you ever yeah. hear about that and you're supposed to, we're supposed to believe that they went from what was generally recognized as probably the largest fortune in the world, greater than, than John Rockefeller's. In fact, you, learn, you read about this in Chernow's book that as ruthless as Rockefeller was uh, in, in competition, there was a point when he tried to go over into Europe and, and do what he was doing to his American competitors, to Dutch Royal Shell, which was backed by Rothschild money. And... Um, so he had all he had all these dirty tricks that he would he would pull right to undermine his competitors. And um, in this book, he talks about it. So one of the the scions of the the Rothschild family comes over, meets with Rockefeller. There are no minutes of the meeting. Nobody knows exactly what came of it. But what we well what, what well we know what came of it. Nobody knows exactly what was discussed. Uh, however, what what came of it? What resulted was. All of a sudden, Rockefeller had nice things to say about the Rothschilds, and he immediately pulls out of Europe, and he and he just sticks to sticks to to the U.S. And so, you, uh, one of the tactics Rockefeller liked to use to his competitors is he would he would bring his books, his ledger, right, and he would say, "This is how fucking rich I am," um, and I here's my offer for your refinery, and I'm just going to shut it down. I'm going to fire everybody, shut it down, and sell everything off for scrap. But here's my offer: you can either take it or I will destroy you. That's it. There, there's, there is no third option. And sometimes people would take it. Sometimes people would try to defy him. And it didn't matter. Like the biggest railroads tried to defy him. And in the end, he owned them, literally owned them, right? He, he was absolutely uh, unstoppable in, in business. And so I suspect that maybe that's what the Rothschild, maybe like, yeah, you're, you're doing well and all, but let me show you yeah. our ledger here. And let me show you, uh, you can get the fuck out of Europe and stop fucking with us or yeah. we destroy you. And, and maybe it'll be a battle of Titans, but one of us is dying. If, if, you know, when we strike at the King, uh, we strike well, you, to kill. If you're going to kill and, the King, and, you got to strike a death blow. That's the way the quote works. Yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, that's, that's, uh, and, and to, to think that again, a, a fortune like, like the Rockefellers has just disappeared and, and the Rothschild's fortune has just disappeared. Yeah. No way. No way. They're just smart in that they know what does publicity do for them. Look at what it's doing for Bezos. What, what, what does he get out of the publication of his uh, net worth other than just, you know, more and more people who want to see yeah. his head on a pike? Like he's a, he's a target and he, I, you know, he doesn't, probably doesn't care. But um, again, these are, when, when you get to the, to the top, it's not about making money anymore, of course. It's about, it's not just about power. I think it's about what we've been talking about. It's about, you now have the, the resources to shape the entire world. And if you got to this point, you probably also have some grandiose ideas about how the world should work. And you can do that now. Like, how is that for a legacy? You can say, I was the one that created the brave new world or I was involved in that. And so I would understand that 
to some people that have an appeal because what else is there you know just fucking buy more shit and make more uh shekels who cares like what does it matter yeah. it doesn't mean anything no um dude it's uh i think it's just a really interesting way of some very very successful powerful people just playing score i think it's like uh, you know sitting at a card table and it doesn't matter if you're playing with millions or, or dollars it's just a way of keeping score and i think it's uh it's ego yeah. and um it's uh it's yeah and twisted yeah. morality well, i think uh, it, there's a bit of uh, it almost again takes on the the flavor of like religiosity in a, in a but like a twisted type but of, you know the crazy part uh, is religion everybody they, dies and you know what uh even the ancient egyptians couldn't take it with them i mean it's like you're going to live yep. this life whatever it looks like but everybody's going to die in the same way you're going to come out i mean it's the it's the social contract for this thing man what if we come back though? Have you ever looked into the the yeah. research into into or, reincarnation, or, or the fact that or now Erickson, they can uh, freeze your consciousness and they're going to be able to download it into, which is I think what these people are working on. Maybe I mean we'll see I, how that. I mean the, the question the, there's the, the the problem with that though is what if we are not just a brain? What if what if there is something spiritual or immaterial that's at the at the core of our personality? How do you download? Well, that you into saw Avatar where he gets plugged into the big tree and then they put the little broken Marines <laughs> essence inside the big avatar. I really think that that's James Cameron and their, their master play. They're like, don't worry, we're going to download consciousness and we got a big tree. We're going to soak them and we become avatars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Science fiction leads awesome. the way. Awesome, man. We'll, well hey, dude, we'll thank see. you so much for allowing us to suck away <laughs> three hours of your time. Yeah, Mike, it was uh, awesome. Dude. No, I appreciate it. It was a great discussion. I, I appreciate I really it, too. Thank it. you. If our listeners want to hear your podcast can you drop the name and then all your social assets and any info on legion if you got a discount code for them from the show or anything you want our listeners to take away sure yeah yeah as long as everything is still there until you get canceled right for 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 uh, wrong think because that, that's probably no. what's going to happen they, I, yeah, they can come looking for us when i when i when, I, when i'm at, when i'm uh, when when i'm facing my 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 accusers uh, they're going to be showing my memes and stuff well, when the evidence. woke mob comes for you yeah, exactly. Um, but no, so so my so my my podcast is called Muscle for Life. So um, wherever you you like to listen to podcasts, you can find it there. And really, the central hub for all of my stuff is just Legion's website, which is legionathletics.com. In the past, I had these two websites, and I merged them into one. I should have done it some time ago, but so that's where people can find articles. They can also find the podcast. There's a section of the website just to make it easy, um, and and my books and and supplements and anything else that I'm up to is 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 over there and uh, as far as social media goes i'm not very active on social media but instagram i guess is the one that i'm most active on and most of it is actually just answering people's dms and questions i don't spend too much time on it otherwise uh, but that's at muscle for life fitness and i'm on the other ones as well but i i don't um i don't put too much time into them um and as far as a a, a code goes i believe we have uh, it's on the website. If you go to the website, I think it's Legion 20. It's it's 20% off your cool. first order. So if you're a new customer and um, uh, some people would say that's bad marketing. I don't entirely agree, but uh, I'm willing to to cut into my margins to acquire a customer simply because uh, cost per acquisition, looking at it that way, I think it makes sense. And it doesn't, I don't think it cheapens the brand sure. as much as other people would, would, would believe. But uh, first purchase, I believe that's the code. If that's not, it, it's on the blog. Like you'll, you'll see it. You'll get hit with some obnoxious pop up or something. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Mike. It's been, cool. it's been a blast. And thanks, yeah. Power Athlete Nation, for listening to another episode of the Premier Podcast in Strength and Conditioning. Hey. 
Especially if yeah, they made it this, this far. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm actually flattered. I'm flattered. <laughs> See ya. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to legionathletics.com for all the things that Mike discussed in today's show. Until next time, bye! Bye!